Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. <laughs> yeah. Friday, October 1st. 2021, let me tell you guys, you ain't got shit to do. That's why you're right here watching the best show in combat sports, period. This is Morning Combat. My name is Brian Campbell, the American Alpha, back in the controls where some would say I have belongeth all this time, and back with a bang to set the stage for the weekend to come uh, in combat sports, particularly mixed martial arts, lot to get into, fun and games news, touch and tips, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It is that man right here with the BDE. But let me, uh, enough about me, right? Let's bring in my co-host, prob- <laughs> probably, probably the reason why you're really here. He comes from the state of Georgia. His name is Luke Thomas. <laughs> I'm the devil in the Charlie Daniels song, BC. That's yes. really what I am. How are you? Nice to see Luke, you. Luke, I'm fine, Luke. I'm fine. Thank you. Um, Luke, how are you feeling on this fine, beautiful New England crisp fall afternoon? Even though, I, is it still so? No, it's in the fall. We're in October. It's a damn no, fall, yeah. bro. This is, I think this is official fall season. I have to say, I'm pretty excited because while we are going to give you a nice preview for the fights, both actually like right after the show, basically, Bellator starts at 4 p.m. on Showtime. Uh, in the East, and then we have UFC to think tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to watch the UFC show tomorrow live. I am going to have a nice day off. So I'm excited am, for that. Hey, Luke, I am also off tomorrow night. I'm going to go see some live comedy. How about that, bro? Who are you going to see? I forgot the fella's name. I should look it up. <laughs> I'm seeing him at a small uh, small theater here in the old CT. No, he's like a real he's like a real comic, though. Okay, you might you'd be surprised, bro. I mean, seriously. Um, but um, you know, looking forward to that. By the way, that fight UFC fight night card, which we'll get into, is actually sleepy great tomorrow night. So good, you know, look at that, check out Bellator tonight, all that good stuff. Hey Luke, um, speaking of the people, the labels that pay us, 30 days free of showtime, like that's not a bad deal at all. And if you want to watch Michael Venom Page versus Douglas Lima too. While you're eating your dinner on the East Coast tonight, uh, you know you. How about you do it for free? Head on over to Showtime.com. Get your 30-day free trial. Luke, I want to tell you something. I just started Billions season one from the beginning. I'm loving this shit. You watch that? I've seen all of season one, and for some reason, I just stopped. Not because I didn't like it. I don't. I don't know what happened. Life got in the way. 
But so through season one, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm in deep right now. I'm loving that. You can only catch that on the Showtime app. And so enjoy that shit. Luke, also our critically acclaimed documentary 5.0, uh, aptly titled Healing. Uh, it, it hit this week. And uh, shout out to all our people for, I mean, not only is it on pace, Luke, commercially to be the best of our five docs. There is some late votes coming in that this artistically might be uh, less than Jake and Tim, the camera operator's best work yet. It's good. It's good. I watched it for the most part, and uh, it's definitely the best one since the first one. For the most part. You're telling me you didn't even commit. Which is not saying much, but it is saying something. You're telling me you didn't even commit to 17 minutes. And by the way, the first one is like our fourth best one at this point. Okay, so you, you, you don't even know where we're at in this. This is so... It's so on brand, really. But please, uh, if you love what we do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at this time, 11 a.m. Eastern, we've got plenty of bonus content. If you're new in this area, go to YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. You'll get the documentaries. You'll get Luke's new Monday extra credit project. You'll get uh, – you're not getting that live chat anymore. That that business has been put on over on a rival network. But you're going to get uh, my career retrospective of Manny Pacquiao's retirement this week, interviews and all that good stuff. So support us there. Check that out. But Luke, um, real quick, last night was the World uh, Podcasting Awards, and you and I were up for Best Male Podcast, Best Sports Podcast, and Best Podcast Overall, which is legitimately awesome. We didn't win any of them, but we did get recognized uh, through fan voting as one of the, um, uh, what's the title I'm looking for here? Influential. The we were we were we were named one of five podcasts under the title of Fan Influential, which means people listen to our show and they are influenced to want to start their own podcast, I think, or maybe wanna maybe wanna stop listening to podcasts altogether. But either way, Luke, that was the fans voting for us. We appreciate that. We'll still see what happens in voting season if we can bring home that world MMA. Best MMA Programming Award. Yeah. We'll see what 20, happens. Twenty twenty one Listener Influencer of the Year, and we were on a list of five. Um, so there you go. So thanks thank you to our fans on that uh, merch. You want merch? We got great merch. I was just talking to RJ Dunkelmaker about it, Luke. We got some great ideas coming, but for right now, MorningCombat.store. Get your tie dye dad hat with MK on it. Get your hoodies. Factory Town MMA. All that good shit. There's a lot of fun stuff on there, Luke, if you dig. So check that out, morningcombat.store. The code, by the way. Oh, you want something for free? How about 10% off of the price? How about you just test drive this, okay? Put a little bit of it on your skin. See how it feels. See how it looks. It'll make your curves vivacious. Live 10 today only is your code for 10% off at morningcombat.store. Finally, Luke, before we get into a a fun weekend preview, uh, this weekend isn't just fights. The NFL is kicking up another notch. And we know you're already going to be watching the games on Sunday. So why don't you sprinkle a little cheddar on top of there if you know where I'm going. Our friends at DraftKings are continuing this incredible introductory deal for new subscribers to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Of course, if you don't know DraftKings, they are the official betting sponsor of both the NFL and UFC and many others. Uh, And if you download this app and you place at least a $1 bet on any football game using our special code, that's combat with a K, you slide that code in, they'll slide $150 into your bank account to use on DraftKings bets. And you can use that money, by the way, on football, on MMA, on boxing, whatever the hell you want. You, you want to bet how long it'll take before Luke and I implode and quit this show and start going separate ways? 
and I do my own live chat on Thursdays head-to-head, which is coming. Uh, hopefully, we'll get those odds on DK as well. Luke, uh, give me a better deal than, hey, uh, I never really bet on sports before. How about $150 to check it out? There doesn't exist one. You use the co- promo code COMBAT, as you mentioned, with a K, and you get some great stuff. Two games, you know, the CBS games, but I got my eye on two of the better games this uh, weekend. Steelers-Packers, that'll be at 425 on Sunday. Packers should win that one. Steelers are a bit of a mess. And then Ravens-Broncos. Ravens should win that. The Broncos are a uh, mess. They're not the mess of the way the Steelers are. But the Ravens are a very, very, very resilient, very good team, setting records for longest field goals and games and stuff like that. So... Two fun games to keep your eye on. But there's a bevy, a slate of good games. My uh, Washington football numbers are going to be playing the Falcons at the coveted 1 p.m. slot. Boy, when you have most of your games in that coveted 1 p.m. slot, that just tells you the NFL thinks your team is poo-poo. So there you go. Yeah, I'm going to be checking out that Ravens at Broncos game there at 425 on CBS. Uh, That's Eastern time on Sunday. Should be a good one. Luke, also, you you could could bet on Tom Brady walking back into New England, walking back into Foxborough. You, You interested in that at all? I I don't want to say what I actually think, which is cruel and unusual in its punishment. I'll just say uh, I hope that they both somehow lose. You're like, I hope they're drug testing for that one. All right, there's the DraftKings deal. DK and MK, what could go wrong, right? All right, yeah, that's great. Okay, uh, that's all the business we've got for this week. Uh, thank you again to our great fans who support us, who quick, who click like on this video, who are willing to go as far as subscribing on our march to 100K. Guys, we're like at 98,500. We are so damn close to Luke telling some awful story. Isn't that what the prize is, Luke, for 100,000 subscribers? I thought it was two, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't it 200K? I think I'm getting a tattoo at 150. I don't remember that anymore. But um, this has been great. Please continue this relationship. And also, Apple Podcast Review. Some of you people are audio only, and I respect that. Must be That's fun true. during Have You Seen This Shit. But um, I respect that. If you are and if you're not either, you could really help us out by going to Apple Podcasts, doing a review, five stars. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like, okay? Just tell us right here. This means a lot to our employers, and it could go a long way in uh, BC and LT continuing. Look, there's some talk about us hitting the road for Vegas, for Canelo, live shows. I mean, there are some fun things that we want to do with our people. So do these little free things to support us so that we can... Let me ask you a serious question. How much shit are we going to have to eat from our fan base for going to the Canelo fight, which, you know, is a Showtime product and the number one pound-for-pound boxer in the sport, instead of the UFC that weekend? Because our fans obviously like MMA okay. more than boxing. What do you think? Surface level, there would be some shit sandwiches being cooked up. But once they realize how in-depth and detailed we're going to preview that UFC card all week, how we are going to respond to every big press event that week with a reaction video, how we are going to cover the balls out of that, Luke, they're going to be like, you know what? Those guys weren't even on the ground there, and I think they were the MVPs of the coverage this week. And, you know, if you like Doc 5, we're shooting Doc, Doc 6 that week in Las Vegas. So, Luke, so much great stuff involving this show and those hardcore pearl clutching MMA fans who were like, get that boxing out of this show. You know, they can um, they can sit on a cactus and turn sideways, Luke, for all I care, okay? <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. We're going to have our work cut out for us, but I'm up to the challenge, BC. Yes.
Yes, I've never backed down from a fight, Luke, unless it didn't, you know, as long as it doesn't involve actually fighting. Then I'm, I'm, I'm not backing down, Luke, okay? Thank you very much. All right, good. All right, that's the show for us this week. No, we're just getting started with our first topic, our biggest topic of the day. Let's do this thing. Where's my notes? Let's bang, right. Tui. Yeah, hey, Tui, let's bang. Oh, look, this is, this is a good one. Saturday night, Apex in Las Vegas, UFC fight night, a light heavyweight banger of a main event i mean this has kind of gone under the radar this will end up being the first time we're really talking about this but former 205 pound title challenger tiago maheta santos who by the way just knocked up yana congratulations to them goes in there against fellow big time highlight reel deliverer and fellow brazilian johnny walker luke um since we haven't even really reacted much to us when you see maheta versus walker I mean, what are your expectations just from entertainment when these two guys touch off on Saturday night? I get I get vibes of Chuck Congo versus Pat Barry, you know, something like that. I'm not saying it will end as spectacularly. That's not what I mean. But, you know, one guy getting rocked and then chasing the other guy and the other guy running into punches. And it's not to say that they're not capable of more scientific fighting. They can be really good when they want to be. Like, for example... If you think about Johnny Walker's win over Misha Serkinov, Serkinov is pressing, and then he, he he gets intercepted by a perfectly timed jump knee from uh, Johnny Walker. Like, it's just brilliant. And Tiago Santos, how many great knockouts has he had? Like, their resumes in that sense speak for themselves. Do but you know, and the fans know as well as I do, two questions. One, Walker claims to be a little bit more like, you know, um, trying to follow best practices. I think that's a work in progress because he... Didn't really do that against Ryan Spann, but still got the win. Okay, so there's that. Then the other part with Tiago Santos is, dude, you know, everyone and their brother was telling me with great certainty that fighting John Jones, despite having those, you know, during the middle of the fight anyway, both knees completely torn was a good idea. Well, was it a good idea? Because now that bill is due. And when the bill comes due, everyone wants to pretend that the bill is not due. Like, if you want to argue... You should compete with catastrophic injuries that could absolutely shorten or even end your career in a championship fight. Fine, then make that argument. But you can't run from the other side of that argument, which is if you're going to make it, that means after that fight, you might have some serious complications in your career. And it looks like that might be the case for Tiago Santos, who appears to have lost quite a step, including explosivity, along the way. Now, he fought good fighters, and he fought a guy in Rakic last fight, B.C., who is completely different than Johnny Walker. I mean, he's big and tall and, and athletic, but the point being is he was he's really good about minding his range this way, and he does a lot of fates and faking, and he only really goes on minimal occasions. You know, Walker, I think, is just going to walk headlong into things, and maybe he wins and maybe he doesn't. So it makes Santos' chances of winning much better in that sense. But, dude, these are guys where there's a lot of questions. How good is Johnny Walker? Can Tiago yes. Santos get back to the mountaintop? I like this fight, even though it's a little bit crazy. Look, on paper, it's 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 batshit crazy. That's why we love it. And the fact that I think you identified it properly, that they're both kind of wounded, vulnerable action heroes in this one. And it's like Johnny <laughs> Walker snapped that two-fight skid against Ryan Spann. But, look, he was on the way to getting beat up in that fight. I mean, if he had lost three in a row there... That would have been a, a a catastrophic turn for his career. And now you've got a 37-year-old Maheta fresh off those injuries who is also fresh off three-fight losing skid of his own. So, Luke, Maheta badly needs this win to retain sort of an elite status. And it's tough because I agree with you. 
I don't think he's the same guy he was in that Jones fight. But I disagree on the, do we look back and question the price and all that? Dude, he was a late bloomer in a lot of ways after he moved up in weight and finally got, you know, confident enough and, and efficient enough. I mean, he's always been a, a slugger, but but the but that build to the John Jones fight, he figured it out. That was his window. And, you know, he took he, he went for it. And on some people's scorecards, Luke, he, he had won that three three rounds to two. And at the very least, he one hundred percent disarmed John Jones and made him fight a ten you know, tactical almost sort of like plotting careful fight in a lot of ways and was scary as shit in big moments. You know, if he came back and was washed, I still would have argued that it might be worth it to at least have on your record that you, you know, if he had pulled that off, he'd been champion for a day at least. He would have been beaten first guy to beat John Jones cleanly. Okay, it didn't happen. He almost beat Glover Teixeira, though, in that comeback fight in which he had some big moments early. But things have not gone his way since. So this is the fight to tell us which direction he's really heading in. And I don't know if you listened to Johnny Walker on Ariel Hawani this week, Luke, on the uh, on the MMA hour, did you? I missed it. What did he say? He basically said, I need to go to hell. I want Tiago Santos to take me to hell because I want that for the fans to respect me because that's how I want to win this fight. He's like, I don't want to go in there and knock him out. I want to come out of there with blood and, and guts and, and, and bruises. I mean, it was an intense sort of, for a guy who's normally the circus clown, first of all, I give him credit for doing that whole interview in English, but second off, he was just like, I want to get dirty. And Luke, what's crazy is we're wondering, you know, Johnny Walker came out and almost had some accidental huge knockouts in that early run where we're like, holy shit, like, this guy's an athlete and he goes after it, but is he really that good? You could argue that he should be wanting to come out here and strike from the outside and work calf strikes against, uh, you know, Mahetta and try to be the younger, more active guy. And Luke, he's openly saying, I want to I want to get into a war with this man. Nobody should ever want to get into war with a guy with Thor's hammer on his chest. I mean, this is going to, to me, Luke, this only ups the ante that we're going to see what we want to see. Absolute fireworks and huge swings of momentum from these two. Now, as we look at the odds, Maheta is a minus 155 favorite. Johnny Walker plus 135 underdog mm. on the DraftKings app. Is that about right to you? I may have had it slightly the other way. I just feel like uh, Santos is. Um, I don't know. I that's that's. Um, I I have a hard. I really have a hard time. I have a hard time coming to a conclusion about the method of victory here, dude. Because you know as well as I, not just million method timing of it. Uh, does it like? Everyone's like, oh, this could be over in 30 seconds. Yes, and it could just as plausibly go the distance. Like, it's it, these two are very, very hard to pinpoint. Santos would have been a, bit, a little bit easier to pinpoint a couple of years ago, but everything since makes it a little bit uh, more difficult to understand. Whereas Walker, I feel like he'll give... I would have... Yeah, yeah, Santos is the slight favorite, right? Santos is the slight favorite? Yes. I will say Santos has beaten probably better opposition. And so for that reason, even with the lingering questions, he might still have more firepower and he might bring the fight to Walker in a way where Walker's a little bit unassuming about it. 
So in that sense, I can kind of get by on it. But dude, I this is one of those fights where I was like, you know, we want you to bet with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, but I don't know if this is the one to put the whole 150 yes. prize pot on. You know what I'm saying? I want to spread the risk around a little bit. Yeah, let's not forget that Maheta was that guy who won eight fights and uh, eight out of nine to get the John Jones title shot. And you know, he's finishing Blahovich. Jimmy Manoa, Eric Anders, he beat Kevin Holland, he finished Anthony Smith, Jack Hermanson, Gerald Mearshart, Jack Marshman. I mean, that was a run. I just don't think he's that same guy anymore. But, Luke, if I'm hearing these quotes of Johnny Walker saying, you know, I'm just going to run in there and do my shit, dude, you, you, you might pay the price for that. Because last time I checked, Luke, Tiago Santos may be incomplete and not the same killer, but he's not easily hurt. Or stopped, or or you know, I mean, you come in there looking for this kind of fight, you're gonna get it. I don't think I, I, I don't know. Maybe Johnny Walker's got some tricks up his sleeve, or maybe because we've seen him get spectacular finishes on you know surprise sort of knees and kicks, and just you know, I mean, look, it, it's almost like he just more Mortal Kombat style just runs out there and slams the buttons, and something happens. But I think Tiago can can withstand a storm like that. And, you know, to your point, we don't know. This could be a back-and-forth dramatic thing that goes full roundage, and then things like their ground game comes into factor. Um, I tend to believe we're going to get what's promised, though, an early finish, and it's probably going to be not who gets who first, but who gets who best, Luke. You know what I'm saying? And and mm. I'm going to mm. stand with the favorite because I think Tiago Santos, or I know that he needs this win, and I think there's still a little bit left in there. Maybe not to win a title. Uh, you know, there's there was an edge. He he had an edge in that John Jones. I mean, I, I just a, I mean, he was a live freaking dangerous animal in that fight. I think we'll see him back. I see. Think we'll see him back in another big fight. So hmm. he's got to beat this guy. And you're telling me this guy's this, coming at this him. This is but this is why guy. I bring up the Pat Barry and Czech Congo thing. BC is because I feel like. Both guys have the capacity with one shot to end it. Uh, you know, not so much with pure punching power with Johnny Walker, but with some of the crazier strikes he can throw. And then Taco Santos can like sit you down with one if he has to. But I just feel like there's going to be at least one scenario in this fight where someone does get hit, but it's not the one hit or quitter. It's where they put someone on skates and then the Three Stooges skit begins to catch into motion because that's what happened with Ryan Spann. And ultimately, it didn't work for Ryan Spann. He over-pursued and got hammer-fisted um, along the fence into being finished. Like, dude, how, he was winning it and just until he wasn't. So that's one, that's one of these scenarios where, like, I feel like this is a little bit different, but in many ways kind of similar to the Ryan Spann-Johnny Walker fight. Luke, what do you think? Uh, you know, I mean, the, the winner of this is, is going to be in the mix, but what's the future looking like? At this weight class, in your eyes, when we have Jan Blahovich defending against Glover Teixeira next, you've got Prohatska ranked two, Rakic ranked three, your boy Anthony Smith coming off a win ranked fourth, and Maheta's five, by the way, and Johnny Walker ten, so you see the importance of this. Uh, obviously, the upside in the short term with a win is, is Maheta at number five to get back in there. How big of a name could he get off of this with a win? I still think that the UFC brass are probably going to... Here's the thing. You can't just beat Johnny Walker, right? If you get a win over him where he walks into something, it's a nice win for Tiago Santos, and it counts, and it's it's not like it's in any way illegitimate. 
But UFC brass probably have some question about the guy, like what is left with him after everything he's gone through and the age he's at and everything else. Like, I mean, the surgeries he had, dude, he had both of his knees were completely destroyed. It took a long time to come back from that. And so, again, even though he was ready to fight, maybe he actually wasn't ready. It took some time. So I think they're just trying to figure out what they've got. You can't just beat Johnny Walker if you're getting bludgeoned and you throw like a eyes closed haymaker and it lands. You got to show that you got some life. You got to show. And by the way, if he shows he's got some life, even in a loss where, um, you know, there's a way you could kind of say, okay, it didn't go his way, but I'm definitely seeing improvements. There's a lot of ways he can improve his stock, but it's going to take a, it's going to take some time to get back to like, I mean, the Rackage fight wasn't close, right? It wasn't close. So like to get back to a title shot, you're going to have to go through several, I think of these guys again. You know, I think the fight for, for, uh, for Santos here, maybe win or lose, maybe, you know, win or maybe lose, but look good. It's another man on a three fight losing skid who was once super elite and who we thought might actually have beaten John Jones. And that's Dominic Reyes, number six in your ranking. He's lost three in a row. Yes. Jesus. How did I not realize that? Well, the Blahovich yeah, fight for the title. One. And then he was in that absolute war with, uh, with what? Prohatska, right? Yes. Which Prohatska won. Um, and that's that would be two. So what's the third? John oh, the Jones, Jones one. Yeah. Well, I thought he won the Jones fight, but True. okay. To your point, yes, it's a three fight losing streak. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought of it. Yeah, that's, dude, I, it's in my mind so much that Reyes won that fight that I forgot that it counts as a loss. It's a loss. You got to count it. So that's there interesting. was a period there, Luke, where I thought Johnny Reyes was climbing up your dick rankings. Like at almost an Anthony Smith level pace. Like you love Anthony Smith. You freaking love yourself some Volkanovsky and Adesanya. Like these are the Mount Rushmores of like on your ceiling when you lay down at night and you're just like, man, I fucking love these guys. I thought it, Dom Reyes was getting carved. Like they were carving out some face room for him up there. Whereas I got I like just, Rose and Joanna and you know. Well, I'll say I'll say this for Dominic Reyes. I mean, obviously he's got some work to do to get back to where he was. But the thing that I thought that was really – it was a two-part process that got me kind of sympathetic to him. One was that I thought he fairly won, and then I thought the Texas judges did him no favors. And, like, again, we go back to, like, forget about the arrest, which I know you cannot, but let's for just a moment, time out on that, and just talking about John Jones at heavyweight. Everyone just assumed there was going to be this coronation. I'm like, okay, well, the heavyweights aren't going to fight him exactly like Dominic Reyes, but, dude, Dominic Reyes – just gave him a shit ton of problems like this idea, and he didn't do all that great against Anthony Smith and he didn't do all that great against Tiago Santos like this idea that he was just going to go to heavyweight and beat the fuck out of everybody like as an assumed thing I'm like did, did you not watch these fights because they, they were they were close and I thought he lost the right Reyes one the other part was how Reyes did it using motion to create openings and and that kind of a thing like I really that was a really admirable thing that he did in terms of advancing his game and he only been fighting professionally professionally since like 2014 or something so that was just a really standout performance to me that wasn't properly honored and sometimes you know you can assume that um you can get a little ahead of yourself but i still think he's very talented he's got some big wins in his future so we'll uh look just to close on this fight i, I when i know it's going to be crazy i do tend to go with the guy i think who has the biggest weapon on the battlefield I think that's Maheta here. I'm going to go with him to knock out Johnny Walker. Do you have a feel either way? I know you're a little bit of a uh, absolute bitch when it comes to this part of the game, but um, do you have a feel either way? Again, this is one. You have to admit, dude, if you were betting, you might avoid this one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, bet the under. <laughs> bet, bet the under for sure. I'll tell yeah. you that much. I guess I will slightly lean toward... 
No, you know what? I'll pick the upset. I'll take Walker. I feel like Santos is in trouble. I recognize he could end it at a mo- dude. I completely recognize he could end it at a moment's notice. But I'll take I'll take the uh, I'll take the underdog here. What do you think about the reports that this is true? Michelle Padeda is uh, in Johnny Walker's corner on his team ahead of this fight. I mean, this is like they're just going to rub their crazy balls against each other. Luke, I don't know what we're going to see after this. Can't hurt to have a guy like that telling you what to do in that part of the game. But how much that will ma- dude. It's like, oh, I've got this scientist in my corner. I got this guy in my corner. I got this expert in my corner. Right, but dude, the donkery starts every time one of y'all gets hit. Yeah. Like, what good are they? I mean, what why good are they with- once the Three Stooges bit gets into fucking you know, you know that kind of. Might thing. as well add Coach Latore. You know, you're doing you're doing great, Mike. You're doing great. All right, you look great. Yeah. All right, yeah. Luke. Your co-main event are middleweights. Kevin Holland enters as a betting favorite at minus one six five. Despite a two-fight losing skid against Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori, when he welcomes Philadelphia's own and the brother of heavyweight Chris Dawkins, it's Kyle Dawkins plus one forty-five. Luke, this should be an interesting clash here. When you look at their styles, what do you think we're going to see? I think I have a lot of respect for Kyle Dawkins. I I think of. Well, Chris is making a better run for himself recently, but I have to tell you, like, I feel like when you look at Dawkins's game, um, it's well-rounded, it's smart, it's modern. He's t- uh, big for the weight class. Kevin Holland is too, so you got both guys sitting at six three. But I don't feel he's really maximized um, his potential yet, and I think part of the reason why they made this fight is that Dawkins has a lot of different tricks in a lot of different portions of the game. But one area where he can be a little bit behind the eight ball, I think to this point, is his takedown accuracy is not very high. I think it's like sub 30%. And so when that's the case, and by the the way, that isn't like, oh, that sounds like so low. Shouldn't it be 70, 80? No, Habib was less than 50. He was still high 40s. The point being is you don't have to get every single takedown attempt. And if you look at like Robert Whitaker's numbers, they're pretty low too because a lot of those takedown attempts, they look like takedown attempts. Technically, they are, but they're set up for strikes or just to turn you. They're not really designed to take you down. So even with that number, pump the brakes on what the implications are. Still, the tape shows it as well. It's not his strongest asset. So if you're Kevin Holland and you've had wake-up call after wake-up call after wake-up call about the need to work on this, you have an opponent who still is probably going to try to take you down. That's not the best part of his game. He has other parts of his game, by the way, that you cannot lose sight of. I think he can stand with Holland at least for um, short periods if he can make you know uh, rough it up in the middle and then get a takedown or whatever over time. This is the right kind of fight for either guy because one guy needs to level up past what they've been doing to beat the other guy, right? This is the one where it's like, okay, I've done my homework. All right, now you got to do it on the pop quiz. Now you got to show it. If you say you did it before, this is the time to bring that to bear. Uh, it's actually really smart matchmaking, and I and I I like it a lot. I think it's a great fight. Yeah, I mean, this is this is. I mean, we're not officially in put up or shut up time for Holland. He had taken fights last minute. I mean, look, he's a, he's a crazy man. He'll fight anybody at any time, but you're coming off a two-fight skid against elite fighters. Now you're sort of taking a little bit of a step down here. Kyle Dawkins, just to remind you, has lost two of three against Brendan Allen and against Phil Dawes. So both could use a win. This is an opportunity for Kevin Holland to get back in the good graces of where he was 
in that opportunistic 2020 Luke, where he was fighting anybody at any time and putting together, you know, one win after another. He was kind of a fun surprise story. This should be fun. The odds are close. It's telling you how well this is matched. And Luke, the fight right before this, a well, real quickly, I'll just say this. I'll just say this for Kevin Hall real fast to end on this. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off just very quickly. You can say this very cleanly. Kyle, um, uh, excuse me, Kevin Holland has beaten better guys. That doesn't mean he will. he's automatically a shoe-in for Saturday, but I want to give him credit. The wins that Dawkins has are interesting, and that loss to Brendan Allen, like, I think Brendan Allen's a very good fighter, so it's like, you can let that go. So is Phil Hawes, but, like, at some point, you got to beat one of those two to, to, to level up. You know, he was getting beat, but Kevin Holland fucking knocked out Jacare, like, yeah. and he beat Darren Stewart, I think, uh, as well. Like, those are good fighters he beat there. I mean, he won five times in 2020. I mean, that was a, right. that was a right. you know, welcome to the... Uh, to the feature role here so you know i think that's why he's favored here better better competition you know he's got a, he's got a little go get it too luke and, it, and it's not that Dawkins doesn't i mean Dawkins' brother certainly has but this is really a you know a big opportunity for either one i mean in a co-main spot here and luke i love love the matchmaking in the welterweight tilt before that when the wild man nico price coming off a winless stretch in three fights but a stretch in which he's trying to reinvent himself post quitting marijuana luke and, and really dedicating himself at age 32 he'll be a minus 170 favorite against alex cowboy Oliveira himself on a two-fight losing skid plus 150 is Oliveira. luke nico price is one of those dudes that you know you can tell me every fight that you're going to be a little bit more refined and serious and mature well bro you like to bang it's like you know it's like like in all seriousness you know you know one of the first times i knew john jones was gonna have issues i think it was after the cocaine test I interviewed him at, e he came to ESPN and he's like, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Brett Okamoto is not interviewing me. So they're like, oh, we got this other dude, this editor, BC, he'll do it. And then John was like, you know what, man, I quit the drugs and stuff, but I still just love hanging out at clubs with my boys. So, you know, we're, we're trying our best to do it the safe way. And I'm just like, John, like you can't hang out at clubs when you got issues. And it's like, you know, this is like Nico Price saying, man, you know, whores are a bad thing for me. But, bro, the architecture of these brothel houses, like, I just can't get away from it. Luke, this man will bang on Saturday against Cowboy Oliveira because that's what that guy does. You don't take a hooker out for dinner, Luke, okay? These two are going to consummate for our pleasure. It's a weird way of describing the fight. But what I would say is um, Oliveira just won't let him. Oliveira is not going to have a fight on the outside where they can just do their best Volkanovsky impressions. You know what I mean? He's going to get in his face. He's going to rough him up. And 
Nico Price knows what he's doing. Like he, I'm sure, has trained all the very best practices that he needs, and uh, obviously has enough experience at this point to you know bring these things to bear. And I think in times he really has. You know, losing to Luke or whatever, like you know, Luke is a tremendous talent. So um, no harm, no foul there. But I, I, I think that Nico Price is probably the more talented of the two, and I tend to think he will win. But a guy like Oliveira, dude, he'll do strange things. He'll try to jump on the back when he's not supposed to. And most of the time, it won't work. But sometimes it does. Sometimes he'll pull guard. Most of the time, it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. He'll wing shots. He'll spin when he's not supposed to. But he can also be beaten by pressure. He can be beaten by consistent effort. He can be beaten by body work. So this is really like a test of price. Like, what kind of fight do you want to have? And I think you're right, BC. Either way, fans are going to win. Either you're going to get a, pr- a price who I think is going to be as scientific as he can, and maybe he wins, maybe he doesn't, but he's going to apply the game, and I think these two are action-oriented no matter what. Or you're going to get a price who just says, fuck it, man, let's just see what happens when we go crazy, I mean, <laughs> and it'll be fun. You know, his last fight against Michelle Pededa, you know, it was a, somewhat of a featured fight on the pay-per-view, and he, you know, Luke, that turned it. I was there, it turned into, was I there? Was I the hell there, Luke? What was that? UFC 264? You might have been. The hell card was that? You remember? I don't. All right, I'll just hijack the show for that. That's fine. Okay. Uh, anyway, Luke, um, that fight turned into an absolute war. And it was fun as shit. And that's sort of what happens. And he fought well in that, but he came up empty in a decision. I think he's better than Cowboy Oliveira. I know people are getting upset. Hey, BC, we want actual analysis, not just consummation jokes. But hey, guys, I follow the news cycle. And Luke, did you see the news headline that came out of the build for this fight? Are you prepared Mm-mm. for this? Mm-mm. Father of 11 children, Cowboy Oliveira, was asked this week when he was told that Nico Price and his wife are expecting their sixth child. Oliveira was asked what advice does he have for Nico now that he's getting up, you know, they got more than a starting five there in the Price household. Luke, quote, Oliveira said, get a vasectomy. Your thoughts. This is not a joke. This is, I mean, you can. I, I, uh, no, listen, can you imagine like the alimony if you split with your significant other on that? It's like, dude, I, you know, live the life you want to live, but I'm trying to hold on to my paycheck. Jesus. All right. Oliver was interviewed by MMA fighting. His actual quote was, I'd tell him if you can get a vasectomy already, do it, brother. I was sexist. Will it continue the same way after surgery? And I got 11 kids. If I had done surgery before, I would have only had four or five kids. Yeah, but Luke, he wouldn't have had 11 times the joy. You know what I'm saying? You can't be like, all right, I, sh- I wish I only had five. So let me pick out the six that I like the least. Right? Luke, you can't do that. You can't give them back. No. No, you can't. I wonder, though, if you have 11 kids, do you really love all 11 the same? Is it's, that it's really a, true? It's a fair question. Your dad has three, and we wonder that the same, Luke. <laughs> you yeah, know I, I, think, I, think it, uh, I think it wore off. Uh, yeah. after after the second, but we'll see. Luke, who do you think is your dad's favorite? It's got to be your sister, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. My sister's the only one of us who speaks French because they lived in Paris when she was born. Um, and she lived in Paris until she was eight or nine or something. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, like, they got a special thing going on. And me and my brother, you know, fucking runs on the litter. Yo, bro, I know a quick way to, to, to win over your dad this late in life. Just learn Indian, Luke. Learn Indian? What language is Indian? The, the language that they speak in India, Luke. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't speak India in, in uh, India. I apologize India. for my comedic ignorance, Luke. Yes, I know. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Wow, what Yo, you threat. should go to Colombia and speak Colombian to them. 
What a comedic train wreck this show has become and always was. All right, I I like uh, Price in this fight, by the way. It's a really good opportunity for him to uh, get a much-needed win. Luke, how jazzed are you? I'm telling you, this fight night card bangs. How jazzed are you on this middleweight tilt pairing Misha Serkinov and Christo Jutko? Christoph, sorry. Uh, Serkinov, both of these guys have a lot to prove. Kind of Jotko is in a different position because he's kind of always been... Jotko was the guy that... Um, Jotko was the... He's been that guy from Europe who you just kind of like, oh yeah, he's like UFC level, but you didn't know if he was ever going to be more than just sort of a guy who had ability and was important for UFC's efforts into Europe. Like, how could he, could he really become a top contender? With a guy like Serkinov, Serkinov was a guy who came in with a ton of hype, trains with Faraz Zahabi the whole nine yards. Remember, he broke Alex Nicholson's jaw trying to uh, secure a choke. Like, he's got a fucking squeeze and a half. I think he's one of two fighters with a Peruvian necktie finish. It's amazing, right? But he's had a ton of misfortune that I don't think, certainly I will candidly admit, I did not see coming. Um, Dude, this is a get-right fight. For Jotko, this would be the best opponent I think you could make a claim he's beaten. Um, maybe that's a little bit debatable, but certainly it would be a, a great win for him at a bare minimum. And then for Serkinov, it's like, okay, it's one thing to lose to some of the bigger names or to have, you know, the Johnny Walker fight kind of got you out of nowhere. Jotko, in theory, should be one that Serkinov wins. But I can you can you say with confidence, BC, you think no. that's going to happen? I mean, maybe, no. right? It'll be a fun fight, though. I like, uh, you know, the yes, games these it will two be that. bring... You know, they're going to bang. This is going to be fun. This card, it's well-matched, Luke. And if, if you consider that this deep on the main card, we also have a women's bantamweight tilt that is very important here as uh, Aspen Ladd, a, a top contender whose delay layoff has now extended almost two full years. Of course, she had reconstructive uh, surgery on her, I believe, her knee. And then she, her comeback fight against Macy Chazon was... Uh, canceled when Macy pulled out due to a leg injury. So now we're back at it on Saturday night, Luke, and how thin this Bantamweight division is. We've been waiting for some time to see if Ladd is for real. Yes, she had that very quick knockout loss to Jermaine Durandamy, but she rebounded nicely to beat Yana Kunitskaya. And Luke, there's a little bit of sauce entering this fight because Macy has heard the comments that Aspen talked about regarding her pulling out of that fight. And now Macy's like, this girl's going to talk some shit. That's classless. I'm going to make her pay for it. And her quote was uh, essentially that Aspen has done a lot of shit herself. She's definitely pulled out of fights the day of. Um, Luke, does this add a little bit of... um, I don't know anything that can alter the outcome here as we look at Ladd being a minus 280 favorite against plus 225 for Chazon. I don't think so. Chazon is big for the weight class. She's talented. Um, I think that, you know, you you saw Aspen Ladd what? She was able to win on the ground against Kunitskaya with a big push towards the end of that fight, which is interesting. Against Chazon, that's going to be much harder to come by. I think she's much better there. I think, again, from a frame standpoint, she's naturally bigger. So this is interesting for Aspen Ladd, who's been kind of like, oh, she's the next big thing. And, you know, to lose to Duran Demi in the way that she did, where you could argue the stoppage was a little bit early. But either way, you know, Duran Demi is one of the best strikers ever in women's MMA and is just a phenomenal talent who has improved herself. The winner of Kunitskaya was good, but I don't, I don't know that it really answers the – it's very good. But it, it doesn't – does it tell you that she's got the requisite skills to beat Chiasin, who I think is – would probably be Kunitskaya the same kind of way, uh, at least in theory. 
it's an interesting test. Plus, there's a huge reach disadvantage, 66 to 72 inches, you know, and as a height diff- reach of a disadvantage, 5'6 versus 5'11. Like, dude, there's a lot of – this is a big test for Aspen Ladd. I'll put it that way, dude. This is a you – get, you get past Macy Chiasson, who, you know, is she the best fighter in this division? I don't think she is yet. Uh, maybe she will be one day, but she's got a lot of different parts of her game with the height, the length, the skill – um, in terms of the ground specifically, I think it's going to give Aspen Ladd some real problems. I am very curious to see what kind of attack she uses to overcome these yeah. problems. I like Macy's cut, too. She's got the wild, spiked, sort of sideways hair going on, Luke. I'm, she has know. a better haircut than you and I will ever that, that have. Is, that is true. I, I've that, thought about I, that. I am envious of her haircut. That is absolutely true. Uh, Macy's ranked 11th, Aspen Ladd third. But, of course, the long layoff has some questions to answer, Luke. Uh Number one seed, uh, Jermaine Durandamy, was supposed to be fighting Irene Aldana in November, but she pulled out of that fight. We know Holly Holmes got a fight scheduled, so it's going to be interesting because although Amanda Nunes is fighting number five, Juliana Pena, you wonder if Nunes could be headed into a Shevchenko fight after that. So for Ladd, you're going to need to package some wins to kind of you know get back to that point where you're ready to find out how great you are but she needs this one first uh luke i'm not afraid to linger on this card i don't care you know you can tell me to keep going but there's it fights is 11 44 i would like to move on but all right luke one of my favorite fighters of all time betch kohea is ready to say goodbye are we, are we doing a betch breakdown seriously the i mean 38 year old banger who has already retired but now is back trying to have one more to go off on her own terms luke she's a plus 375 underdog against Carol Rosa, who's minus 5'10". Luke, um, Betch has won just once, I believe, in the nine fights since she lost to Ronda Rousey for the title when she lost her unbeaten record. It's been not good since then for old Betch Cohea. I remember when she talked Charlie Holmes some trash. She was like, come on, come on. You know, you're going to come, Holly. Come on, Luke. And then she got head kicked to the other side of hell. But Luke... That celebration dance that she does, I mean, it's it's Shevchenko-like, right? Except it's a little more racy. It's actually a lot more racy, Luke. Do you think we will see, you betcha, do that one more time? Probably not. Probably not. I feel like when you're this late in your run, uh, with all the known issues that she has, we, we there's still a lot that is unknown about Rosa's upside. That, you know, I don't think they have any mutual opponents either. Uh, so... It's a little hard. I, yeah, I'll go with Carol Rosa. I, I tend to think that Betch Cohea is probably, you know. To be fair to Betch, best she's days are probably over. Since the Rousey loss in 2015, Betch is 2-4 and four with one draw. So it's been uh, it's been a difficult run there. She had some split decision wins, but not that great. All right, I'm going to be tuned in. I'm going to be looking at that. Luke, anything you're into? I don't want to speak for what you're into. I mean, Antonina Shevchenko's back as an underdog against Casey O'Neill. That moves me, Luke. What moves you on this card? Um, I would say the interesting one we didn't get to was the Alexander Hernandez, Mike Breeden fight. Dude, Hernandez came in like a buzzsaw beating Benil Dariush and I forget the other guy who was just knocked out in short order. And we were like, holy shit, this guy looks like the real deal. Then he called Cerrone day drinking Don and has been having a hard time since not just getting the wins, but finding his identity. He was kind of a come forward in your face guy. And then he realized he's not going to get very far with that. So he has struggled to adjust to the next generation of his development, which you can say, oh, well, that means he, what does that, what does that mean exactly? Well, it might mean he just takes some time to get there. Uh, Breeden is a guy who's very good, but if Hernandez is who he says and believes that he is, oh, it was Olivier Aubin Marcier because he could wrestle, right? That was the other one. Um, Hernandez needs to show that he can make the 
the he's trying to grow. He's trying to become a better cerebral, scientific, best practices kind of guy. This is one of those fights you need to win, given the amount of time he's had to show improvement, to prove that it's real. This this is it right here. You got to do it. So big big doings for him. Yeah, he's split wins and losses in his last five. Still just 28 years old, though, Luke. So see if he can put that together. I'm loving this card. We'll check that out Saturday night. But, Luke, our second topic of the day is tonight's Bellator 267 card. It goes down in London, Luke. Wembley Arena, this is the big deal. And you can argue the main event is our best fight of the weekend. The main card will kick off 4 p.m. Eastern later today, only on Showtime. So check that shit out. Uh, I love this fight. Douglas Lima, your three-time Bellator uh, welterweight champion, coming in here on an interesting two-fight losing skid, both in title bouts, though, in a rematch with Michael Venom Page. And Luke, we all know they fought in 2019. It was a spectacular two-round fight. Lima wins it by knockout. It was part of the World Grand Prix in the semifinal round. You can see the highlights right here. Lima got wobbled by a punch early, but... MVP's somewhat exciting, reckless style kind of walked him into a knockout shot there after a slip. Luke, the key, and there's one. There's a spectacular trip and and finish Bro, here. No, that's a kick. Yes, and it tripped him. So in in some ways, you can you know split the difference and say it was like a trip, right? Yeah, if I kick you and it trips you, Luke. I tripped your ass. Okay, just so you know. Yeah, but so it's Luke, not here's a trip. here's the storyline coming in. Do we have two ships going in opposite directions, considering MVP at age 34 has won five in a row, four by finish, including against top contender Derek Anderson and Mohegan last time out. Is he the one who's ready to take the baton here and prove to us he's he's title ready and legit? I think, well, you and I did CBS Sports HQ uh, earlier this week, BC. I, I don't know if you're exactly in the same mind I am, but I think we're pretty close on this one. Like, Dude, this is a lot more interesting as a as a competitive bout than the first time they met. First time they met, I was like, dude, you know, Page hadn't really beaten anybody of significant note. Obviously, his style is very exciting, but Bellator had fed him a sort of a steady diet of guys who he could beat, which I don't begrudge them. By the way, I think Bellator and promoters should do more of that to some extent. Uh, but neither here nor there. It just there wasn't that guy on his resume where you're like, oh, well, because he beat him, he stands a good chance against Douglas Lima. And then you could also sort of look at their styles and be like, it's probably a tough fight. Dude, Lima has fought and defeated much better guys. This time around, dude, I feel like the tables, I'm not going to say they have completely turned, but they're not the same. Two losses in a row, and not just two losses. Okay, you went up to fight Musasi, didn't go your way. Okay. And obviously, Amosov is a wrestler in a way that MVP is not. Fair. But just sort of the lifelessness about it all, you just wonder... Is that now a permanent condition? Is he just kind of worn down from it all? Does he need a break? Like, what's going on in the training room that's creating this in the fight itself? You have to kind of wonder about that. And also, dude, MVP has been a lot more active since their first fight. I think that's true. Even if you want to say he's fought in less tough competition. Um, and, you know, it's a hometown cook. Not cooking, but hometown uh, uh, affair. It's in London. The thing that I'm, I just can't quite get over, though, BC, is that leg kick he got there. Dude, for a guy like MVP, he's got to be close enough to touch you. He does do some stuff with uh, lower body strikes, but mostly he does his work with the hands. He pot shots and then he goes. He's going to have to get close enough into kicking range every time against a guy like Lima. If Lima is minding his P's and Q's and goes to hammer the legs of MVP, I just don't know what answer MVP is going to have for that. So... I don't want to be in this scenario where like I don't acknowledge the hardships that 
Lima has faced and what kind of like a poor performance he's had in them. At the same time, it would be foolish to look past Lima, a guy with just the right kind of style to beat, frankly, a guy like MVP, but it's closer this time than it was the first. It's very by a lot. close. Very close. I mean, you look at the odds coming in here. Michael Venom Page, a minus 125 favorite as the hotter fighter peaking at the moment against a plus 105 Lima. Now that's more or less a pick em there with Page as the, the slight favorite, but it's interesting. Like, this is the defining fight for Lima to show us where he's at at age 33 because he's the younger fighter, by the way. MVP's 34. He's older than you realize considering the level of competition, but you nailed it, Luke, on two accounts. One, the lifelessness is concerning. He started way too late against Musasi. He figured out some success late, but it was like... Too little, too late in some degrees. And then against Amosov, he just never started, Luke. You didn't see the urgency. You didn't see the, oh, shit, I'm getting dominated. I'm down three rounds here. Let's let's go for broke. It was just sort of like going through the motions. And I think, you know, if you look at MVP's quotes, and we did interview him uh, yesterday on CBS Sports HQ with, with our buddy Tommy Tran, and he believes that Lima's just had a lack of growth, that it's the same style, same, you know, same everything. And, Luke, sometimes that can become... You know, if you're doing training the same way and you're just kind of, you can accidentally end up going through the motions in that regard. And, you know, fighting MVP, whether you think he's ready and legit and going to be a title guy now next, or you think there's still some questions about this guy, that's not the guy you want to be coming in so stale. I mean, you look at Lima's last 10 fights, Luke. Yes, he won six of them, but he fought Koreshkov three times. He fought Paul Daly, Lorenz Larkin, MVP, Rory McDonald, and then the two title fights back-to-back. That's all killer grinding fights every time out. He went five rounds, by the way, in six of those. So six out of the last ten fights, Luke, you wonder if the grind is catching up. But what makes it hard to just write him off in this matchup is that October of 2020, when he lost to Musasi, we entered that fight calling him you know, maybe the best welterweight in the world. Maybe the best, you know, kept secret in all of MMA. A year later, Luke? One year later? And two defeats later? Could he really be on the other side of it? You never know when that turning point happens in a fighter's career. Sometimes those turning points can be corrected, you know, with a rededication. I don't really know what we're getting from Douglas Lima. His comments coming in were Douglas Lima-like. They were respectable, but, you know, little... Little stale, little whatever. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised that MVP is the betting favorite, considering Lima won by knockout the last time. But I'm gonna need to see, as you mentioned with those leg strikes, which fighter can take the lead and set the tone. Because Luke, in rematches, a lot of times, especially if the first one was a little bit crazy, it's more refined and tactical. I think there's a shot here that this one goes the distance, given the way Lima has fought of late. And I kind of want to see if MVP can win a fight on the outside using that five-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, using his jab, and really trying to set up his explosive strikes. As much as, you know, you come to see him get the highlight real finish, I want to see if he can go out there against a three-time former champion and beat him in a different kind of way. That'll show me that he's ready for Imasov, that he's ready for the real smoke that comes after it. Because as much as we don't know which version of Lima is coming in, I want to see everything MVP has. And that's not, I want to see spinny shit. That's, I want to see the real fighter game plan, hold the lead and control of this fight, and carry out what he's bringing in. And if he can get it done, uh, MVP, 
I mean, this is the you want to talk about the most validating win of his career. The the criticisms have dogged MVP for a while. Like you've not beaten somebody super super special. You beat Lima, you get there, no doubt about it. The other part to think about here, BC, we kind of alluded to it, which is why did he lose the Amosov and Musasi fights? We're talking about the gear he got stuck in, but the gear he got stuck in was in part because those guys just took the fight to him early and then just maintained the lead on him, right? That was a lot of grappling that was involved to do that. So the question is, can MVP A start strong, like where he's hurting him, and then keep, keep a guy like Lima on the back foot with whatever tactics and strategies that he employs, right? Because if you get a lead on Lima, he just kind of lets it lets it roll so uh, weirdly. Stay right there. Pause that. Yeah. I was gonna ask you. When you call somebody a front runner, it's usually an insult that they can't win coming from behind, that they can only win if the terms go their way. But, you know, remember that great fight Lima had with Roy McDonald, which he lost in their first meeting under the Bellator banner. That fight was 2-2 going into the fifth, and Rory just kicked it into a second gear, and, and he won that fight. I don't know if we've seen Lima rally or turn it on late. So, Luke, I think the success... He, hold on. He turned it on late against Musasi, if you recall... But it was so little so late, it didn't exactly. matter. Exactly. It was like he went into where his strategy should have been in round one in round four. He didn't right. go for broke. He just took control of the fight. So right. I think what Musashi did, Luke, and he's got a much – he was a bigger body. It was middleweight. He used a thudding jab to really silence what Lima brought in. That's why I think MVP's got to take advantage of the, of the length and really set that tone early that if this fight's going to go the distance – He's going to be the commander of the, uh, of where it's going, Luke. And I don't know. I mean, Lima could come out and wake up and show us exactly who he is, and this could turn into a, a war at some point. But um, I'm going to go with the with the not younger in age, but the fresher, more confident seemingly uh, guy in the hometown here of Michael Venom Page. Luke, this feels like it's going to be his moment. Wow, that's big. Pick an MVP to be Douglas Lima. That is a bold pick. I don't think it's crazy. I don't know how likely it is, but it's. I would have called you crazy the first time. Well, do you think I'm crazier when I tell you he's going to win by decision, too? Um, How about that, Luke? No, because, dude, finishing Douglas Lima is hard to do. It's hard to do that. But uh, definitely the pick. That is a bold pick. That's the pick of the weekend right there. Well, he's the betting favorite, Luke. So it's not that. Is it that bold? I don't know. We're going to find out, right? Yeah, I suppose so. You gonna you gonna you're leaning anywhere, Luke, or you don't you don't really do that? I'll stick with Lima just to, for fun for the show. I don't really know. I who the hell knows with him, dude? Those performances were so lifeless. You know, like do you want to bank a lot on a guy who just kind of looks like eh? No, I well, don't. He's got to come from, out kicking. You got to come out kicking if yeah. you're Doug Lima. Okay, you got That's you got dude. Weird. You have to make you have to make MVP hurt. Yes, right. Because if he doesn't if he doesn't feel the weight of what it's like to come and try to close distance. He's just going to come and pop all night long. You got to you got to make that guy suffer. Or I wonder if Lima will go for the takedown himself, having learned from the last two fights how important that could be to set the tone there. We'll see. Main card starts at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Showtime today. Check Thank that God. out, Luke. Liam McCourt, a women's featherweight co-main event, big-time favorite against Jessica Borga. Uh, from there, Luke, it's it seems like it's a lot of local folks on this card. You know? Yeah, the card itself is basically a regional European card with um, a couple of decent fights at the top. The main event, quite good. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bellator, listen, Bellator, what was the last time they were in London? It was a long time. They're just trying to get the local shit going. 
you know. Yeah. So we'll see if Leah McCorkin can enter what's becoming a crowded women's featherweight title discussion at the moment here, Luke, right? Or am I thinking of women's flyweight? I'm probably I think thinking women's flyweight. Flyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Featherweight is where Chris Seigborg operates. Uh, yes. Well, uh, she's she's the bantamweight champion too, right? Or wasn't no, that right? Just 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 uh, featherweight one four five. Chris Seigborg. I can never keep that. I can never keep that straight. But you're probably yeah, get right. Your, please get your shit together. Thank you. All Don't right, dead Luke, wrong top- me just yet. Topic three. Um, it might seem like a rehash, but there's a lot of talk. One week removed. Still going on about the state of Nick Diaz. Yes, in his late 30s, fresh off a third-round TKO, no-moss defeat against Robbie Lawler in their rematch. You know what your boy BC said about it, Luke, that I was uncomfortable, that given the comments from Nick, given that whole blaming on the manager for kind of tricking him into it, and given the dad bod when it looked like he had abs just a week before, Luke, I just didn't think he wanted to be there, and I don't really want to see him moving forward. Well, everyone is disagreeing. I mean, there's people that said they are never going to watch this show again because I made such a comment against the 209, Luke. I mean, and please. T- to join the parade of those who are echoing his greatness, Dana White said, quote, Nick looked unbelievable, yeah. later saying he looked so damn good considering the layoff. Even Joe Rogan came around, Luke. He was less extreme but he said, you know what? Nick didn't do that bad, all things considered. Uh, Isn't that everyone... wild? I'm sorry? Isn't that wild? I don't uh, – Luke, I went back and, and watched the fight, and, and I'm not – it's not like I'm going to say it wasn't exciting. Of course it was. They went after it. And, you know, Nick got backed up, and he stood his ground and threw shots. But, dude, this was – this was senior league MMA, and I know it. Look, dude, I'm getting people coming. Beastie's a fraud. He's always been a fraud. He's the hashtag old guy fight guy. You know, yeah, I, I am. But I was sort of beaten down of late by Holyfield and Triller and all this other crap. And maybe I just really care about the Diaz's, Luke, but I just didn't like this and didn't want to see it again. It seems from Dana to Rogan to everyone, they want to, they want to do it again, Luke. Do you feel like Nick wants to do it again, and did your stance on this change at all? After hearing how many people vehemently disagree with your co-host, I thought it was I. You know, I I didn't hear Rogan's comments, but I did hear Dana's, and Dana's was like, "Well, for being off for five years, when it's actually closer to se- closer to seven, six and a half, you know, he looked good. Okay, for that amount of rust, um, fine. You could again. What did I say on Monday? Even I, I think I even said it to a degree on Saturday night, which is. You know, listen, if he wants to get in the right weight class, because we, I think we both agree, if he's going to come back, 185, just I don't like the idea at this point, right? So if you're going to come back, 170, fine, very doable under the right conditions, right? For a guy who runs triathlons, 170 is quite doable. I've seen him in person. He can make it. Um, and then there's the right opponent, then sure, give it another try. But like, you know, the days of like, oh, I'm going to be next for Kamar Usman, like that's we're long past it. And I was trying to think like, you know, it's so funny, man, when Habib gets wins over, like, Ally Quinta, who is a very, very good fighter, but obviously that was, like, the last second, right? And he didn't finish him. He went the distance, and everyone's like, oh, how good could Habib be? You know, he had to go the distance with a late replacement in Al, and Ally, I think, had had some lo- losses nearby. I'm like, well, first of all, Al's very good, uh, number one. And number two, you know, we all know the story, like... When you take an opponent last minute, like literal last minute, you know, the the person who's the A side there sometimes will fight with a little bit of reservation. It can be hard to get the finish. What I'm pointing out is here's a guy near the top of the game that people find every excuse to poke holes in 
for his game. And here's another guy as kind of the bottom of the UFC roster just in terms of like ability. And they're making all the other excuses the other way for. And, you know, I get I get why he's revered. He is popular. He is well liked. It's fine. Like, again, if he wants to compete under a certain set of circumstances and whatever, then then let it all happen. It's OK. But it just has been bizarre to me. Like, for example, yesterday on my live chat, BC, someone was like, oh, if Nick had stuck around after GSP, would he have won the title? Like, no, no. Like, he did stick around. He, he lost to Carlos Condit. And because there's going to be a series of guys who are not going to play the game that he plays, whether it's Condit with the stick and move or wrestlers with the wrestling, Diaz was never the best guy in his weight class. What he had was, A, in certain respects, he was ahead of the fight game with weaponizing pace and getting better boxing. He, the, the Diaz's were, were just well ahead of the fight game. He has a certain kind of iconoclast, anti-hero style. And three, which you, I think we'd agree on, prime Nick on his best night could beat very, very, very elite fighters. Like when he was dialed in, there, you know, not all the time, not every time. It wasn't St. Pierre who was just going to beat the slate, but he could get that one win that would blow you away. Here's where I stand today, having thought about this overnight for just a second, BC. It's like, dude, I lived through, like we did the resume review, but I remember living through that shit. I saw all the, I saw Nick, you know, not in person, but I remember, I remember where I was when he fought Paul Daly. I remember where I was when he fought Gomi. I remember the Jeremy Jackson fight vividly. I remember all of these things. Like, dude, those days are over. They're yeah. over, right? They're over. They are over. over. Back. And so, and so... It seems to me that if you want to say there's a path forward for Nick, fine, but it should be said that with, okay, there's a path forward, it doesn't match this old one at all. It's a new one divorced from this old life. Yes. On that account, I can live with it. All right, a couple things here. One, you were dead wrong. Um, he fought Carlos Condit before he fought GSP, so he was in the No, no, GSP. no, but what I mean was, uh, when, when did GSP leave the division? After the Johnny Hendricks fight. So, yes, Nick was still around, but he wasn't fighting. He finally fought Anderson Silva. Okay. E either way, he wasn't going to beat Prime Lawler. I don't think he could beat Prime Rory McDonald, the one before the Lawler fight. What, what, would, what would Rory McDonald do under the tutelage of Faraz Zahabi? They would take him down. They yeah. would take him down well, forever. I, so, no, I, think I don't the think argument the best. To support what you're saying here is, and the argument against him beating elite fighters past a certain point is, Luke, we haven't seen him fight elite since 2011. So I know he kept fighting five years through the Anderson Silva fight, or four years, excuse me, but, Luke, those four years included a lifeless performance against Carlos Condon, a largely lifeless performance against GSP, although, look, GSP closed all the doors on him, and a lifeless performance against Anderson Silva, in which he tried to lure these guys into his kind of fight. It didn't happen. And he sort of just was fine with the results in terms of, okay, that's the way they're going to fight. We haven't seen him elite since 2011. So I don't even know, Luke, if the fighting spirit was still in him after that BJ fight to want to do this or to compete at this level. But that's not the real equation at stake. It's maybe I was too harsh because, look, people are like, okay, BC, we get it. He's not the same guy. But you're basically saying you don't want to ever see him again. What I think the middle ground on here is, and maybe I can soften my stance a bit in this regard, is I think, Luke, people just want to see him in like a Guns N' Roses reunion type way. They want to yes, see him go out exactly. on his own terms, happy. And it, look, if this is all a build toward like a retirement fight in which he gets another old wash guy and he can go out on his own terms and have the proper camp and come in in shape, 
then that is fine. And oh, by the way, I think I would look back at the Lawler fight and be like, okay, he didn't get dominated. He didn't get overwhelmed. He stood in there and fought. I just don't know how everybody is overlooking the comments heading in about how he just didn't want to be there, Luke. He didn't want to be fighting right. I mean, nothing about it screamed that he wanted to be there through him quitting. So that was really a large part of why I was just like, I don't think this is a good idea for him. I mean, he got his nose shattered and he was like, that's it. And again, you know, he's been through the war enough. He doesn't have to win my respect. I mean, I respect that movie made right there. He knew he was done and he's done. But to me, that means you're done, Luke. But everyone else seems to go, whether they're looking at it through nostalgia only or if you're UFC and you're going, hey, maybe we can make a buck moving forward. It seems like, Luke, he's probably more likely to fight at least one more than he's not, correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about that. Sean O'Malley came out on his podcast. I'm not going to lie. He had an interesting idea, which is more in line of what I'm saying. If you're building towards Nick to just get a payday and have fun, which is really, I think, the why the fans were angry at my take, because no one's expecting him to come back and look great and be ready for Usman. Those, that ship has sailed a long time ago. Sean O'Malley says, why not Mike Perry at middleweight? Huh. Luke, huh. I, I don't hate this, Luke. I don't. Wait, I really Mike Perry don't. at what weight class? Middleweight. Middleweight. I don't like the middleweight call. I really okay, don't. I don't. You can have it at welterweight if you really want it. Luke. Yeah, fine. Um, yeah, that's about more in line with what I think is realistic. I know people have said Cerrone. Uh, I think it's another one, like two legends at the end. This is fine, but this is also what folks just have to wrap their head around a little bit. That's a, Those are good ideas, and, and I think doable. I don't know if, first of all, let's see what Nick wants to do. I, we, we had uh, shouts to Frank Luster, a great, great coach, and... Um, and a guy whose abilities I admire uh, a lot. He he was suggesting like you know middleweight you could do Sam Alvey versus Nick. You know respectfully I don't think you can. I don't think Nick ever takes a fight like that. I think he wants somebody who's produced a big name for themselves. And you could say um, what you want about Sam and some of the accomplishments that he's had, but he, he's not a hugely popular figure inside the UFC to date. And so that just doesn't make a lot of sense. So you could go with Cerrone. No. Perry is sort of controversial in that way. Maybe you could do that. But this is the point I want to make, BC. There's there's a few, maybe a couple of permutations you could do with this. But, dude, this is not what the UFC does. That, well, the that's UFC part of does my not, point. Right. Yeah. The UFC does not provide a soft landing for guys close to 40 who are at the end or, you know, close-ish to the end of their run. I buy everything that people say about he was off for six and a half years and he didn't have a great camp and blah, blah, blah. And like he even said, I knew I had this ass whooping coming. He knew it. He knew he did. He knew it. I, I acknowledge that if you run it back in a few months when he's had a better chance to get right, you'll get a better product. Fair enough. But we're talking about something at the end of the game where this is not what the UFC specializes in. You might find a couple of examples. He'd be much better off if you wanted a longevity tour, BC, doing boxing on the Jake Paul card or in Bellator where they could match make more appropriately for this kind of thing. In UFC, they're going to have a hard time finding all the right things that he needs unless he comes out at 170 in his next fight and proves us both completely wrong and looks, you know, um, 10 years younger. I mean, look, let, let's be fair. 2021 has been all Triller and Paul brothers, and it, it did it did even test me, Luke, where I'm just like, you know, when you're UFC, like, you know, I, I never liked the CM Punk experiment. You know, I didn't even really like Randy Couture, James Tony. Like, those are such, like, odd sort of black eye, mo not black eye, but just sort of like, what were we thinking moments? UFC is so far past that that... I don't necessarily want to see that. Now, if you want to do Cowboy, and I think Cowboy's tied with Jim Miller for most wins in UFC history, and if you want to say 
you know, both a retirement match for both. If Cowboy wins, he's the winningest fight ever. If Nick wins, he goes out on his own turn. Okay, yeah, of course I can get behind that. Just like I got behind when it was like Diego Sanchez against Clay Guida late in their run or, you know, whatever. Any sort of combination of old guys. Speaking of that combination of old guys, Luke, our producer Mikey Mormal wrote in and said, did we miss the boat because of Condit, Carlos Condit's recent retirement on just rematching those two guys together? Or is that just the same no, thing? No, dude, Condit's done. He's been yeah. done for a while. That Lawler, I always go back to it. Dude, not, neither he nor Lawler were ever the same afterwards. Um, and, you know, you're talking about Condit. It's like, dude, if you're pairing him up with dudes who had their prime 10 years ago, what does that say? Like, Cerrone is not in his prime. Condit is not in his prime. Lawler is not in his prime. They might be legends to fans. Deservedly so. Don't take nothing from that. But where are they now? They are not. They are at the end of the run. Um, if all of your peers are retiring, or many of them retired, you know, uh, that doesn't automatically mean you're in the same place, but you're probably not far from it. Um, do you think Nick could compete in this celebrity boxing bubble like could he i think he'd make a fuck ton doing that dude but think think about okay much better suited for that competitive wise did you see enough to show that he could box with anderson silva he could box with jake paul or would you be okay with that well I i think he might give jake paul serious problems quite candidly but with Anderson Silva, dude, you wouldn't want to see a Nick Diaz Anderson Silva rematch in boxing. Yeah, I think I, Fuck I think yeah, I you would, dude. That. That's a yeah, totally yeah. different ball game to me. I would pay good money to see that. Okay, that's interesting, Luke. Uh, by the way, I still get people that DM me, and I'm not going to say they're wrong. That say, "Hey, I respect that Luke loves Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler, but the fact that he doesn't realize that Rory versus Lawler was a better fight just blows my freaking mind." Because it's not a better fight. I That's get why. that so often that I'm actually willing to I- I- entertain no, some type. There of... There is this fantasy. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let this man speak. Some type of watch party where we do it live on YouTube and we watch both fights back to back. Would you agree to that one? And two, when you find out that you're wrong. Would you be honest? Would you be like, look, I was wrong this whole time. Sure, sure. We watch that again and I reconsider and it looks different upon reflection. Fine. I mean, what what I have to lose? Like, uh, We want to see you eat shit, Luke. That's the point, you pretentious bastard. We want to see it happen. Why am I pretentious for saying that Condit Lawler, a fight that completely changed the course of their careers, was a better fight? Dude, that was a fight of the year candidate, which I realize many people like Lawler and McDonald more. Dude, Lawler McDonald is a phenomenal. I mean, it's not like I'm saying it's bad. It's very, very good. But here's the reality of it. Like, uh, that was a little bit more one-sided, obviously, with the way it ended for McDonald. And it had a little bit more theatrical elements to it, whereas Condit versus Lawler was more just a fucking melee. It was a, it was a barroom brawl versus this coordinated game boss at the end of the at the end of the video game kind of feel to it but i think if you just watch the fight straight up without the narratives being imposed upon it i think lawler and condit stand the test of time almost any other fight in that weight class in terms of pure thrill i'd love if we did some kind of blind taste test and the loser had a shit had to provide a haircut for the other one like that we we could really do some things with this luke in our new set to get the couch involved I, I i am certain people i, I don't know like I don't understand what people want. They there's this weird thing in MMA where, like, something gets anointed as being great or worthy of revering, and if you don't revere it in exactly the way in which you're supposed to, all of a sudden you're some kind of heretic no, about it. No, like, I don't dude, think it's there's that. There's room for I, fucking opinion on this. I think because you are, and I'm going to say this as a compliment, 
so confident in your ways and just, I mean, you hold firm. Luke, you hold fucking firm to what you believe, motherfucker. And I respect that. Aren't you supposed to? But people sometimes take that as arrogance that you're not willing to re-examine and wonder what were you wrong and in this case luke i think even this week i was like here's how stupid that is right here's how utterly fucking stupid that is even just this week on my post fight show for 266 right i had suggested at three in the morning or whatever it was two in the morning that i thought that nick diaz versus uh jorge masvidal was something you could do at 170 and then i had people write me and then you brought it up on the show what was the first thing i did I walked it back. I was like, yes, upon reflection and people suggesting to it, that that doesn't hold up. Even just this week, I had to really reconsider a a, a bad opinion that I had that I had made without fully considering it. I'll do it when it merits it. What people want to do is they want to float out bad arguments for stupid ideas. And then when I reject it, all of a sudden, I'm not being open-minded enough. No, I'm just not willing to accept a low threshold of evidence or in a persuasive uh, language around something that just doesn't really hold true. So if you if you like Lawler versus McDonald better, I can't talk you out of it. I cannot okay. dis- I cannot say definitively Lawler versus Condit is better. It's a matter of personal opinion, but they are comparable in uh, how great they are. And if you go one way or the other, that's fine. If we're still friends at the end of your life when you're on your deathbed and we're there and you admit there is a God, I will hug you, Luke. Okay, I will hug you. I'll be like, I'll be like, get close, BC. These are my final words, <laughs> and I'll say, when you die, you just rot in the ground. Goodbye. You're like my final words. Houston Alexander took a dive against Kimbo. Yeah, like, we knew it all along. <laughs> all right, final words. Okay, maybe there was a curse. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> final words. BC, those documentaries fucking banged, bro, like a bus driver. All right, yeah. All right, Luke, topic four. Topic four, fight announcement and rumors. Luke, we got a big story here at number one on fight announcements. October 30th, UFC 267. This man, Dan Hooker, fresh off a career-saving, is that too harsh, victory over that guy that looks like Johnny Hendricks, Luke, he will turn it around and take on Islam Makhachev in a real big fight. And Luke, when you look a little deeper, this is Dan Hooker staying in the U.S., meaning he's not going to see his family for a very long time because this fight will take place at Fight Island in Abu Dhabi on October 30th on the pay-per-view. Luke, it's a great freaking fight on a free pay-per-view, by the way. I don't even, you could not favor Dan Hooker here, although, Luke, he turned it around with his wrestling against Naspak Hakaparst in his uh, uh, left. Nasrat Hakaparst. Against Hazmat Su. Yeah, so, Luke, do you have the the respect? Of course you do. You're, 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 you got a you got a CKB you got a city kick but kicking boner Luke but seriously what Dan Hooker's looking to do here bro wow wow Let me ask you a question if he goes and takes this fight which he did it's in Abu Dhabi right so who knows how long it's going to be before he gets back but let's say he wins this fight which would be something of an upset And let's say on top of that he wins it Dan Hooker style whatever that might mean like you know big step through knee or whatever I had said something similar to what I'm about to say now yesterday, but I want to change it slightly. If he does that, BC, question for you. Does he become something like the new Cerrone in MMA? Wow. Wow. Um, so what did, what did, 
how did Cerrone become Cerrone? He was a no-nonsense, not brawl. I mean, he was a brawler at times, but like a no-nonsense, Budweiser-drinking, company man, fan man who would fight on short notice, fight anybody at any time, and fight like a badass. That's not Dan Hooker in personal spirit, but moves like this, Luke, they, they're, they're, they're doubling down. These are double-down badass. It's basically saying, look, I just turned my career around with that performance. Why don't I just ride the momentum while it's hot? I mean, he's going in there against Makachev, who's on an eight-fight win streak and looks like the next big thing straight from the Smash Factory, Luke. If he goes in there and wins it, are you just asking me if it's a folk hero type feeling we're going to get from it? Like the guy who, I mean, Cerrone did a lot of things, right? He had this sort of like, you know, the cowboy, right? So he's got a certain identity. But that identity was matched with he showed up all the time and took fights, whether he won or he lost. You knew he was good enough to beat good fighters, and he did. Like he's got wins over Eddie Alvarez, and you can go down the list. But he wasn't the best in that division, but he was just, he was there to show up. He was there to fucking bang. And uh, maybe he doesn't beat all the best fighters all the time, but he beats good ones certainly time to time. And he just always is down for a fucking scrap. I feel like Hooker could slide into a similar-ish kind of territory. He doesn't have like the cowboy thing going on, but the I don't know, he's getting pretty close. The difference is that cowboy is a brawler with skills, whereas Hooker is a skilled fighter who loves to brawl. That's the difference, Luke. That might be true. But don't you feel like with, with Condit gone and with Cerrone gone, the fight game is missing a certain kind of guy, not the best one in the division, but the one that grabs the people by virtue of the way they fight on occasion, their fighting ability, and then their willingness to meet any challengers. There's something like that where yeah, I feel like Hooker like could a, slide into that spot. It's like a Rocky Balboa meets badass like wrestling character type of vibe. I mean, that's what made Cowboy special, right? Yeah. I don't think Dan Hooker has that personality, Luke, and I do think he's looking upwards with this move. He's not he's not doing this just to cash a check, just to please the UFC. I really think Dan Hooker knows what's inside of him, Luke, knows he's championship material, figured out through his own missteps by, you know, going to hell a few times against elite guys and is now like I'm taking advantage. But Luke, I mean, I, I he's not going to see his family for a long damn time. I don't know if they could, if he could send for them. Can you send for them, Luke? I don't I don't know how that works, dude. And uh I I don't envy his situation. Wow, he's he's going for it. I mean, Luke, uh, just real quick, style wise, how do they match up? I mean, can is can the new hooker handle this man on the ground? No one handles this man on the ground. No, on the ground, no. I think he's going to get completely overwhelmed. On the feet, it could be quite interesting. Obviously, Adrian, Adriano Martins had his way with Makachev a long time ago. Whoever it was, I think it was Adriano Martins. Um, he did get the head kick KO. You know, maybe that's still there, but I tend to think they're gonna. He's gonna put. Listen, it's a, it's a tough fight for Dan. It's a tough yeah. fight for Dan. If, if if Islam plays ball at range, then anything is possible. I just tend to think that he won't. All right, Luke. I had, we had teased based on some social media reports that Dom Cruz could be heading the way of Sean O'Malley. That is not true. UFC 269, a loaded December 11th pay-per-view, will now have Dominic Cruz versus Pedro Munoz at Bantamweight. Your thoughts, Luke? Love that fight. Tough fight for Cruz. I think Pedro Munoz is a leg kicker and a heavy hitter. And a guy who's willing to take one to give one is going to be a tough matchup for this version of Cruz, who's you know, not quite as fleet of foot and, uh, and nimble as he once was. I think also people kind of figured out his game a little bit with um, some of the leg kicking. So it's a great fight for Pedro. But also, if you're Cruz, you got to respect the fact that he is not shying away from a difficult challenge, even yes. in the 
twilight years of whatever he has left in his career uh, uh, and winnable still quite quite winnable um Good fight. Great fight. I mean, Munoz has lost three of four. He is 35, although against elite competition. And, you know, the, the problem for Cruz, Luke, is you, that style doesn't age well. It's like, you know, why did Allen Iverson stop being elite at, like, age 31? Like, you know, that, that style is built upon speed and movement and elusiveness. And, and when that goes, yeah, you can add the veteran tricks and be wily. And obviously Dom Cruz's story is different from anyone else because of how hard he's worked to just get back out there after so many setbacks. But... To what to your point, this is a winnable fight for him, but it's got to go his way. Um, the the in his favor, Luke, in his favor is he's tough as shit mentally. He can take a punch, and you know he's he's got a very sharp nose, Luke, for for uh, the musk of referees. Apparently, all right, Luke, let's keep it going. December eighteenth, headlining a fight night card. Raquel, oh, I'm sorry, not headlining, but Raquel Pennington back quick against Julia Avila. Do you like that one at bantamweight? Um, I think Avila, memory serves, could be wrong about this. I think she just got her black belt. Um, that's a tough fight for Pennington. That's a tough fight. I think that Avila is sort of a come, can be a come forward, not brawler, but she gets to work. She gets to work. Well, if you hang out in the clinch with Rocky, she'll piece you up. But if you can stay on the outside, you you can beat her. So it's going to be. That's right. I mean, it's how Holly Holm got it done, basically. So, uh, like it, but tough fight for Rocky. That same night, your new main event is a rescheduling when Misha, don't call her Cupcake Tate, Luke, is in against Ketlin Vieira. So we'll finally see that one. You'd have to believe, Luke, with a win, she could be paired against Holly Holm if Holm wins her uh, her Norma Dumont fight coming up. Um, I have some breaking news for you that I think you would like and appreciate. Guess who missed weight? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, Get, it's got to be UFC. It's UFC. Who is it? Kevin Holland? That's Kohea coming in at a oh, whopping one, well, 138.5. You know just just make it an open weight fight. Look, we just want to see her dance one more, right? You just, you, you know, who doesn't want to see Latina women do that? I mean, it's just sort of an obvious thing. Look, let's be honest here. We talk about like the, the cowboy swagger and persona. We don't have that too often or ever in the women's game. Somebody who's got that gunslinger. That's Betch Kohea, bro. We should put a little bit more respect on her name. I agree. Okay. I agree. Final bro. fight, Luke. This one is straight up the BC lane. November 12th, Cheyenne Bays, Luke, who's who's running hot after that 50K bonus, taking on Loma Luke Boonby. The, uh, the uh, what is she at? What country is she from, Luke? Thailand. Thailand, that's right. And she's got the, those straight front kicks. Luke, this is an interesting matchup. I think Bays is going to get more attention then let's say her ability might call for at this point because of everything we've seen with the fighter pay and stuff. But Luke, I think she's must see. She's she's got a you know a spunky attitude there. The wife, of course, of JP Bays, and I think she's someone to watch. So this is an interesting style matchup. Also, um, different styles of striking. I think the overall more well-rounded fighter is Bays, but Luke Boonmi is a much better striker, and I think is surprisingly strong for that weight class as well. At least in certain positions. That's a very, again, dude, the UFC matchmakers are doing a good job of putting together the right kinds of pieces of the puzzles for each of these fighters to solve. And then you can make a better read about what it means after the fact. I, I like this one as well. Yeah, going to be interesting. All right, our final main topic here, Luke Clarissa Shields, the, the decorated two-time Olympic gold medalist, boxing champion. Of course, we'll have her second pro MMA fight October 22nd at the PFL championship event. 
But Luke, they had a press conference and she had some very interesting words on a few topics. Let's go to the videotape to react to this first one, please. Next question is for Clarissa. Uh, Amanda Serrano got on a Jake Paul card, which was on Showtime. A lot of people watch that. Do you ever want to be on a Jake Paul card as well and maybe get that grand stage as she got? Don't ever disrespect me. I would never fight on the undercard of a Jake Paul. I'm a three-time division world champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist in boxing. I would never fight on the undercard of Jake Paul. Before I get on um, on the undercard of a guy that's having a circus show, you know, like no disrespect to Tyron Woodley, no disrespect to Jake Paul, but I'm a real boxer. Like, I can beat up Jake Paul at the weight class I'm at right now. So, no, I would never fight on the undercard of somebody who does not possess the skills or the accomplishment that I have. Luke, yeah. that's, uh, them are some fighting words right there. Uh, your reaction to a very outspoken Clarissa Shields. I understand why she's saying that. I mean, dude, if you're Clarissa, I mean, just sort of take a step back here. Like, why is she an MMA dude? She's an MMA because... She can't get the respect and the payday she wants in her sport of choice, you know? She is a two-time fucking gold medalist and three-division champion and has headline shows on Showtime. I've seen them. You've covered them. Like, you know, and then someone would be like, hey, would you fight on the undercard of a guy who, you know, whose brother filmed a dude hanging in a forest? <laughs> like, you know, you'd be, it's, it's, I can understand why she feels insulted to a degree. Like, I kind of get that. But at the same time, it's like, could you beat Jake? I you know, obviously she's the more skilled boxer, but with size and gender differences, I I, I sincerely doubt that. And then let, that's less the point. It's it's um, I, I I'll just say this: I understand why she's insulted, but there is a conversation. I keep bringing this up, BC, and you don't want to have this conversation sometimes. But I think you need to. We need to have at least. I don't know that I'm right. I, I, I really, especially on this one, I don't know that I'm right. But my feeling on this is sometimes, in many, most cases, you can have men and women's sports and they do the exact same things. And sometimes there can be the sports where they're different and they are not fair. Like when they gave women three-minute rounds as opposed to five in MMA, I remember the, I, I lived through that era. I remember it. It was unfair. Or when even in tennis, like why do the women fight or uh, play three sets as opposed to five? Like... There's lots of ways where we kind of gender the sport and make it unfair with these unnecessary handicaps against women, and I fully respect that. But one thing I always go back to is, dude, women's MMA is a lot more exciting than women's boxing. It just is. I don't know why this is a controversial opinion, and I understand that we don't even see the best version of women's boxing by some of the systemic issues that make it limited in the way that it is. But for example... While there are many sports where uh, the men and women play under similar, if not identical, rules, in gymnastics, for example, the men and women don't do the same events. There is obviously a lot of overlap, and it's, it's still all gymnastics, but it's not the exact same things. We don't ask women, for example, to do the iron rings, and the men, I don't think, have the double bars, for example, because their bodies do separate things. Dude, MMA brings, I think, the athleticism and the overall IQ of women's in a way that the boxing not so much the IQ, but all of the various weapons that they can bring to bear in a way that is just significantly more dynamic. I, I mean, we're we're getting there in boxing. It's at a point, you know, for the first time since the Christy Martin, Layla Lee run there on pay-per-view, we're getting there where there's paydays in placement. But I think, you know, what Clarissa Shang is, you know, for someone of her accomplishments is just not where it needs to be. Luke, you yeah, can argue fair, fair. That, that, you know, even, even bigger than tennis, MMA might give women's sports the most respect compared to the to the men's side, right? 
I mean, MMA, they're fighting the same amount of rounds, the same feature. You know, I mean, look, seriously, like, the pay is high. I mean, well, women's tennis thing. gets like, a dude, push. Do you really think that the stakeholders, the networks, the fans, the sponsors, the community, do you think that in MMA that women get a bigger role because the fan base and the sponsors and the promoters and the television networks are just much more enlightened about the plight of women's sports. That seems to me an obviously nonsense argument. No, not not at all. It's a better product. I don't know why. I, I, I don't feel that way on the men's side, by the way. I but don't you, feel. You can like MMA or boxing however you want. Are we really going to argue that women's boxing is just as dynamic as high-level women's MMA? That seems no, it's absurd. Not. It's not. So so the it's. I think it's the reason why... The WNBA has made, you know, huge strides since its launch in 1997, but there's still a ceiling on that, Luke. There is. There's still a ceiling on that for for a certain number of male fans who look at the di- overall difference between the games of the two men's versus female and don't, you know, aren't entertained on on the same level. I think again, tennis and mixed martial arts is maybe where it's the most even in terms of your entertainment value and the way it's presented. Boxing were not quite there, but also to be fair, women's MMA had some of the personalities that you need when women first started getting attention on Strike Force on Showtime, you had Cyborg, who was like the perfect scary villain, Gina Carano as your first sort of like, you know, good looking baby face coming to your living room. And then, you know, that evolved into like Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate and, and where we are now. You know, boxing hadn't had that for so long. And I can totally understand the Clarissa Shield saying, I am that. I am your homegrown, decorated, you know, we finally allowed women's boxing in the Olympics. I won two gold medals, and you still won't give me love. And I think it's why sometimes she can have a chip on her shoulder and she can be abrasive to people. I've always supported the way she tells it like it is, and I and I appreciate that. You know mm-hmm. who else tells it like it is, Luke? Did you hear the voice of the guy who asked Clarissa that question? I did, but I couldn't place it. There's a man named Darnell Giovanni. He goes on the Twitter handle at Mystic Black MMA. He tweeted you and I last night and said, I'm that reporter. How about having me come on the show tomorrow and speak about it? Luke, do you at least give Darnell, Darnell, right? You at least give that man Black Mystic MMA credit for shooting his shot, Luke? What shot did he shoot? He wanted to come on our show today and talk about this topic. Oh, 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 yeah, I guess so, but we don't really do that kind of thing. Luke's like, fuck that shit. No, no, actually, Luke didn't know. Uh, In closing here, um, Clarissa talked with our friend of the program, Danny Segurha of MMA Junkie in a one-on-one interview, and she said, quote, I feel like I wouldn't have switched over to MMA if I could have become a household name in boxing. I feel like I did everything I could do in boxing to be that household name and get that million-dollar check. Even with all my accomplishments, it's still not enough, and that's pissed me off. But I decided, instead of retiring from boxing and saying, F this sport, I'm going to keep defending my titles in boxing, but I'm going to use my youth of being 26 and see what I can do by the age of 32, see if I can become an MMA champion and become a household name. I'm already a household name in MMA in the past few months, so I've started MMA. So, Luke, essentially she says she wishes she started MMA sooner because of the notoriety is limitless there where she sees the ceilings in boxing. And part of her I'll never fight on a Jake Paul card was sort of aimed at Amanda Serrano, who was just, by the way, the first fighter signed to Jake Paul's new promotion, you know, or management company, whatever it is, MVP there. And, you know, Serrano did make her biggest payday by far being on that Jake Paul co-main event on the Showtime pay-per-view. So interesting stance. I don't think she's wrong on a lot of her points, Luke, but she's basically giving herself a six-year window here to do something in MMA. Luckily for her credit, she is young enough. I mean, Holly Holm crossed over and much later, although she did have a kickboxing background.
Yes, she did. And it will also be what kind of effort she puts into this, if it's still moonlighting or not. Like, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into learning how to wrestle. It's not, you know, everyone, from the if you're just a fan and you watch UFC, you're like, oh, it's a sort of reflex. Like, they're all pretty good at it. No, you have, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. But, you know, I, 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 I love what she's doing, to be quite honest with you. Like, I don't agree with everything she says, but I love that she speaks her mind. I love her chip-on-her-shoulder attitude. I think that's going to serve her very well in MMA and marketing herself and then having the right attitude towards training. She's with a good team. Like, there's a lot of reasons to be confident one step at a time. But, dude, I hope I hope she finds what she's looking for. I wish she could have found it in boxing. Um, but, you know, dude, like, tell me, as just an example, tell me which of her boxing fights, any of them, was more fun and more full of thrilling action than her MMA debut. Which one? None. None. And I think she's right. cra- she, this is this is my point. It's like, dude, why are we ignoring the well, obvious she's had, answer okay, here? She has had some fun fights, but I think that they're largely crippled by the two minute round setup. It's like, you know, we've been down the road that debate. Just make it even and we can start making the pay even for the fighters that deserve it. They're, you know, it, all right, whatever. We'll see. Fair, it. fair, fair point. Again, when she talks about the systemic issues that hold her back in boxing, she is a thousand percent correct. Everything she says is true. I just feel like we're not having the conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Luke. Uh, whether we're right or wrong on that debate, luckily, Luke, we have an email address where you can tell us. Morning Combat <laughs> at Gmail dot com. Your home for Wednesdays fan subs and Fridays. Dead wrong. Dead wrong. Seven different levels to devil worship and horse sex, human sacrifices, cannibalism, candles and exorcism. I'm Big Meat. Call me Larry Hoover. All right. Here's how it works. You tell us what we got wrong, but you better have receipts. And we still might shit all over you. Number one here. This is Jordan from Hawaii, Luke, from the 50th state. He says, Aloha. This is a dead wrong for B.C., on the UFC's 266 pregame preview with Chuck, around 18 minutes, BC mentions he, and he assumes I'm talking about Volkanovsky, finished Pedro Munoz. He'll finish you if you walk into something, end quote. BC, first of all, Volk never fought Munoz. Second, <laughs> Pedro has never been finished. Not sure whom BC may have confused for Munoz. Maybe Mendes in his last finish. Love Mendes. the show. Excited for the new things to come. Couple points here, Luke. Number one, if I said that, I was dead wrong. Absolutely. Yes, I was I was 100% confusing him in the moment with Chad Mendes. And as we've already put out there, Luke, at 43, I made a dire mistake by drinking four drinks in less than an hour and saying the words yo and bitch at you know ad nauseum. So, you know, I can I can only regret a lot of what happened that night, Luke. We should just call that podcast Yo Bitch <laughs> Episode 2. Real talk like men do. That's what I want to call it. Um no, thank you for sending that in. Yeah, I was dead wrong. Luke, I'm getting a lot of I'm getting a, a little bit of hate coming at me saying I always knew BC was the was a real bitch inside and he proved it in that Cleveland Indians box. By not going, you know, I mean, look, there, is there a little bit of kayfabe at play in some of these doc moments? You can decide which which parts are are that for you. I was also under the influence of of <laughs> of, of uh, yeah. All right, Luke. Okay, you know, I can also only drink a certain no, amount. You, listen, I was there in that room. You hoed out, like you. I don't you, know if you, I hoed out, out, Luke. There was a, you know, there was. You bitched I, out. You bitched out. 
I I don't know. More news at eleven one day. Okay, Luke. <laughs> In our Patreon show, I'll show you my bloodstream from that. Exactly. Right exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, number two, Luke. This is from Jordan on episode two hundred seven at thirty seven minutes in. BC wonders. If the resume may review will go to eight and zero if Nick Diaz loses, please dead wrong me if I am incorrect. But I'm pretty sure that there have only been seven resume reviews: McGregor, Adesanya, Miocic, Woodley, Masvidal, Pitbull, and now Diaz. You are correct, sir. In that moment, I hadn't had the number. Mikey, our producer, I think right after I said that, did send me a text. It's seven and zero with six stoppages up to this point. Hey, Luke, you know what we should do? Mm. Should consider, consider trying one in boxing. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. What if we I know did a lot one of, on Canelo? I mean that. Okay, that would be a fr- Canelo is a. I think he's a minus seven hundred favorite right now. Yeah, that would be a test of this thing. A lot of people that, that would were be, saying. I, I, I would. That would be interesting. That would be hey, interesting. There are a lot of people though that are saying. First of all, that same night as UFC, and yep. you've got a chance to to sting up Colby. But there's just as many people that are DMing me going, hey, if you want to test it, put it on Usman that night. If you really want to test that shit, Luke. No, I think if you want to test it, you put it on Canelo because he's such an overwhelming favorite. All right. Like, All right. neither... I don't know who the favorite is between Colby and Kamaru. Probably Kamaru. I doubt he's a huge favorite. He's not, he is not going to be minus 700 against Colby. I guarantee you that. I can, I can tell you the answer to that, Luke. I have it right here, if you're willing tell to hear me. it. As of right now, DraftKings has Colby at plus 245, minus 310 Kamaru. That's actually a lot higher than I thought it would be, but even then, not even close to minus 700. Why don't we just put it on Wei Lee? What are are her odds? She's minus 105, and Rose is minus 115. Oh, I mean, hard to tell who's going to win that one. I mean, no way. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, uh, Joseph... Dan and Hansel sent this one. No word from Gre- Gretel. <laughs> Gretel. <laughs> All right. Hansel hey, Donks. and Gretel. Uh, on Monday's episode, is that the the fairy tale where the where that old lady eats them, or did I make that? Yeah, part dude, of? and they're putting kids and shit or whoever in ovens. It's Isn't like that, this that's is like a the Holocaust. Up. Yeah, that's I'm not I'm not supporting that joke at all. Luke, uh, hey Donks, on Monday's episode, while showing Valentina's post win group photo, oh, I got shit for this. BC claimed Brandon Moreno was in the picture too, but that was not Brandon Moreno, just a pale guy with dark hair and eyes. Luke, I wish I had this guy's picture ready. They apparently if you go on that picture and click the names, it links to this man's Instagram account. Put it, can you please blow this up? I don't mean to sound like Mike Goldberg here, Luke, but if you look up the guy who that really is, virtually identical. I think yes. that's a fair mistake. Look at that guy. I think it's Whitey who thinks all people of a different uh, uh, nationality and potentially racial group just all look the same. Can somebody in the back quickly look up who that person is? But yeah, apparently also, tr- why is uh, why is Steve Bannon in her corner? Yeah. <laughs> why is Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull uh, with the pit with the purple cravat standing there partying up with them? Yes. All right. Yes. Apparently, it's not Brandon Marino, and I will I will take that L because uh, right. that there made a go. lot of people upset. All right. Let's go here. Um, this from Thomas, Michael, and Mark. Quote: I'm afraid to say that douchebag flexing on the subway was from Toronto. What can you say? Douchiness is borderless. Luke, we got a bunch of people saying this was not the New York City subway system, but because of those red seats and bars, 
That yeah. is Toronto, where that. That's fine. That's fine. I didn't know which one it was. I had said it was New York, but if you actually go back and I'll, I'll take the L. Like I definitely had said it no, was NYC, you, you, but you said it might be DC. You didn't know what we didn't know what it was. Yeah, I had said because the seats, like if you go to New York City seats, they're always flat to the wall of the car itself. They don't stick out like well, from the that, side. The on ones the on DC line, do. do, but I know this is not DC. Yeah, there, there's a yellow line in New York. I forgot. There's letter with, the, and those have those seats, Luke. It's weird. It's yes. awkward because there's that one in the corner. That's fine, that no but I didn't know that was in, Toronto. Because you're basically sitting in someone's crotch if you sit in that corner seat. Nobody wants yeah, to. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. This wow, we, about seven different people sent this in. I'm not even going to read their names. On Monday's show at one twenty four fifteen, when talking about John Jones. BC said Connor did not get in trouble when he threw the dolly through the bus window and scared the crap out of Joanna. It was Rose who got scared, you big bitch. This just proves that BC sits at his desk without pants on, thinking about Joanna all day long. Loved the show, and I hope that was enough to get on the show on Friday. It was, and yes, in the moment, I was dead wrong. Ray Borg caught it to the eye. It was Rose who got freaked out, and somebody else got hurt too, Luke. Do you remember who it was? Michael Chiesa. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. He sued Connor, remember? That's right. Okay. Yeah. Connor, by the way, not, not, no sanctioning on him from the UFC at all. They're like, here, you want to make 30 million in one night for that? Let's use it to, yeah. Let's figure out a way. All right. Luke, your phone's buzzing. I'm sure you have to crap, so let's speed this up. Okay. This one's from Moe. At 136.55, in regards to CKB moving to the U.S. and BC suggesting Kevin Lee, Luke states... You're taking a beating today, huh? Luke states, what can Kevin Lee benefit from CKB that he doesn't get from Extreme Couture? Luke is dead wrong as Kevin Lee trains at TriStar. I also agree with BC... Kevin Lee trains at Extreme Couture and gets occasionally cornered by Faraz. It is not true. His home gym is Extreme Couture. Oh shit, Moe! What are you gonna do with that? Moe also yeah, that's says not, he he does train at TriStar on occasion, for sure. For sure, his home gym is Extreme Couture. I know that for a fact. All right, Moe says that he agrees with BC that Lee would benefit from a move there because TriStar hasn't been having consistent success for a long time, and they turn fighters into a generic jab centric fighter with not much else. Only fighting doing doing well there since Rory and GSP is Arnold Allen. TriStar is where fighters with individual styles go to die and quote from Moe. Luke, you're not going to agree with that shit. No, that's a complete oversimplification. Yeah. You don't know shit, Moe. All right. Yeah. All right. Greg slides in first dead wrong was when the King of Connecticut, BC was discussing round four of Gastelum Adesanya claiming Kelvin executed a near fight ending submission attempt. As a matter of fact, the submission attempt came in round five and it wasn't Kelvin who nearly scored it. It was Adesanya who locked up the tight triangle that Kelvin barely managed to escape. Okay, that's fair. I was dead wrong. I forgot. It was back and forth. It was the best fight I was ever at live, though. Look. Oh, God. You'll never forget it, except when you do. <laughs> you know, one time in an interview, I was like, Izzy, I just want to thank you for that fight. And look, he was, like, touched. And I didn't expect that, Luke, okay? That's good journalism from you to be like, yo, bro, that shit was rad. Yeah, that issue was off the hook. Finally, Luke, Greg, Brian, and Adam are here to say, don't worry, Luke, I saved you for last. The real-life Brian Griffin was dead wrong during the odds and ends of the show when discussing the current title picture at 135, claiming that TJ Dillashaw once held an interim (laughs) title in the division. I know, I got killed for this. 
Don't mean to be blunt, but TJ never held interim, never, bro. Never. He's a two-time undisputed champion. For some champion. reason, yeah. For some reason, dude, I assumed, like, I mean, I lived through all of this, and I can't get it right. He beat Burrell, and for some reason, I thought that it was still... I, I fucked it up. Like, yes, yeah. I'm wrong. He he believes that you were thinking of Burrell. I must have been. I must have been. All right. Hey, look, It's amazing close. you can live through all this, and then, like, five years later, like, wait, what happened? Uh, dude, I lived through Gastelum Adesanya. I forgot which guy had the damn choke on. Luke, we always close Friday show to, to send you off on the weekend with a little bit of advice, a recommendation, just a blunt, bare, naked tip. And then we rub it together. It's called Tip to Tip. Tip to Tip. This is where we touch tips. All right, Luke, Dick what do you touching. got? What do you got? You got anything? I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, so during the middle of the pandemic, um, most people didn't pay attention to this. In fact, when it came out, I was shocked at how no one paid attention to it. So the, the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan and it was a shit show and everyone had a take about that. But the, there had been reporting uh, during the middle of the pandemic that had presaged that. And there's one guy at the Post, at Washington Post, where I subscribe, who has been doing a lot of work to this effect. His name is Craig Whitlock. Um, the the reporting was so good that they, they put up this huge feature. And again, no one paid attention to it. It died on the vine in the middle of the pandemic. But it ended up being so important that they turned it into a book. Uh, it was in the plan to be a book even prior to the withdrawal. But um, they, they still put it all together. So here's a book recommendation for you. It is called The Afghanistan Papers by Craig Whitlock. Let me pull it back a little bit so you can see the cover and it, that's not all blurry. There you have it. Um, this is the definitive account of all of the ways in which um, the United States government and the military leadership involved all knew that this was a disaster waiting to happen, that there was no way once we left there was ever going to be any kind of stable democracy. It was always going to go back to the Taliban and uh, that everyone lied to the American people along the way across four different administrations and two different political parties. There you go. There's a definitive account. Craig Whitlock's The Afghanistan Papers. Uh, this is the definitive account of what happened. Seems like a riveting go. read, Luke. Yeah, well, if you're into learning things. Yeah, yeah. I'm into being entertained by music, Luke, and I hit up one of my favorite local records. <laughs> I've got this shop. vinyl from this dude you never heard of. It goes on four hours of him just farting into a flute. So it's I was over dick. at Seabug's record store in East Windsor, Connecticut the other day, and Luke, I had, had had trouble finding this thing on vinyl locally for ye for a while, and I was so pumped up. So Luke, you know I love me some Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I'm addicted to essentially acquiring every solo album from all four members. And it's going to take time, especially with Neil Young's prolific nature. But Luke, even though David Crosby is largely considered the face of CSNY and really the birds when he was there, he's kind of like overrated historically from the standpoint that he's not a great songwriter. He doesn't have a bunch of hits. In fact, his solo career is largely non-existent. Much of his solo career was really a duo with him and Graham Nash. They went under the, the group name of Crosby and Nash. But he does have an epic album, his solo debut, 1971, that no one ever freaking talks about and is so unique and different and weird and awesome that it is worth anyone's test drive if you're into this type of shit. It's called If I Could Only Remember My Name. This First of all, the album cover is fantastic. Could his could his nose be bigger? I mean, what are we doing? Now, look, Crosby's an asshole in real life, and he's one of the most notorious drug users of all time. In fact, if you remember, Luke, before 
he only agreed to go to rehab in 83 if they let him shoot up heroin on the helicopter ride there. But as a harmonizing vocalist, he's incredible. But this is his solo work of songs he wrote. And what makes this album so insanely good is it's it's extreme psychedelic rock. And it's in it was recorded in 1971, which came after the psychedelic boom. Yet it's a mixture of psychedelic and folk, and what makes it so super special are the session players on it. This was essentially him opening up the studio to all of his friends. So you have basically the entire Grateful Dead, including Jerry Garcia, on slide, the members of Jefferson Airplane, the members of Santana, the other members of CSNY, and Joni Mitchell interchanging on each song. And it is just an incredible journey, especially in the headphones late at night of just uh, really the, the final stand of that genre, psychedelic rock, but with that folk influence. And it's a special mix right there. It's one of the forgotten great classic rock albums, maybe largely because Crosby doesn't really have much of a solo career and he's much more well-known for the projects he's done with others. But uh, this is a great, great one. And maybe that's the kind of shit I'm into these days, and maybe you are not. But if you stumble across this piece of vinyl and your name is Aaron Bronstetter, you will not be disappointed. So if that's a, a conversation for one, uh, that's a fantastic album that I'm happy to add to my collection. Luke, I am just becoming one with my turntable. I rock a 1982 Quasar. And, um, you know, sometimes my wife wonders if that's the only the only woman I need in my life, you know? Pair of headphones, plug it in. Yeah, I don't think that's true, but uh, it's not the worst way to live. Yeah. That's where I'm at at age 43. So thank you very much. Um, Luke, that's our show for this week. Hopefully it was entertaining. Um, what a week for us, Luke. New doc, bonus content, new segments. We got a lot of good shit hitting you. So head on over to youtube.com slash morning combat to check out what you missed. If you care at all about Luke Thomas, you can check out Thursday's live chat, which was moved back to his personal channel on YouTube for the first time. But, you know, that's more just trader commie bullshit. You want to be doing MK stuff. Follow us at the social handles below. Like and subscribe to what we're doing here on the road to 100K. Buy our merch at morningcombat.store, and you can get 10% off to help yourself there using our code LIVE10. Do that right now, and you can get yourself uh, outfitted nicely in, in some good shit. Look, remember that couple? There were two couples, and they were in the living room, and they all had shirts on, and they were watching us? Yes. They said, thank you for helping us make our house a home. What did we do? Just by putting, they said, so this is what this dude says. I respect this dude. He says that him, his girl and his buddy's girl, they hate fight sports, but every time they all hang out, they put on our show because they love the banter between us. They feel like they are the other (laughs) friends in our friend circle. That's cool. That's a nice, that's actually a really nice compliment. Uh, it's definitely not true, but you know, it's nice. Do you think after watching our show that the that the couples intermingle at all? Luke? <laughs> I, I just wish you would. I that wish like, you would. That like MK around. is like an aphrodisiac in that way, Luke. You're the you're the worst, Osama bin Campbell. Here we go again. All right. Uh, speaking of great relationships that that consummate uh, to the tune of of big time successes, MK and DK. We encourage you when you're checking out the NFL action this week. Why not put? At least $1 on one game. Well, what do you get for that? If you put in the code COMBAT with a K, you'll not only be supporting our show, but our friends at DraftKings for first-time subscribers who download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you will get $150 to use and bet on how you like. Okay, you want to bet some NFL? You want to use some of that on some UFC or boxing? 
Join the revolution of what's going on on DraftKings and support us at Morning Combat. Even if online betting is not yet legal in your state and it's coming to Connecticut any second, please download their fantasy games and their apps and enter for a chance to win $1 million. Luke, this is the deal of a century. I'm proud to be offering it to people. And no, I will not make any MK and DK further jokes beyond that because i want to keep this sponsorship right i'm i'm glad but yes go bet go have fun betting you don't have to put down a lot you know obviously bet responsibly and bet where it's legal and all that kind of good stuff combat with a k you put one dollar down maybe on the of the cbs games the packers and the steelers the broncos and the ravens and uh yeah you're gonna get 150 free bucks to go just fuck around with i mean what could be better than that not what much. about the people that say every sunday yeah i usually put one dollar down on the stage at my local uh my local you know gentleman's club god bless them but i don't believe they put down just one well I, here's the deal they put nfl games on the screens usually right next to the boobs so you know you can you can really combine you can have your you know i can i can actually say quite confidently i have never been to a strip club on a sunday i could say that very easily you've, yeah. you've done that like hey it's one i'm gonna go catch the washington football game and get the tater tots at the you know how there's buffet? like you know how there's big time moments in sports history and you're like i remember where i was during that you know i was at my buddy's house or i was on a plane or whatever yes. luke do you remember in the snow when vinatieri hit that field goal against the steelers to lift yes. the patriots yes i was in a <laughs> i was in a dark dingy uh place with a big stage that night yeah i'll never forget that luke damn yeah. you are a dj do you know what they had though? They had ice chips in the urinals, bro. There is there is no. You know what your tip of the week is if your club puts ice ice in the urinal. Look, that is there's something. Wait, wait. Did just, they put ice chips in the urinals, or more 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 likely, the guy who was cleaning the bathroom who finds the glasses there, chucks it in the urinal before he collects the glass to go be washed. No, again. no. They, there's a dude who just comes by with this giant ice bucket and just refills the urinals. And when you go to, you know, take a whiz, Luke, it's just, I don't know, it makes you feel more like a man. It's, it's really a, you so know. So you're like, you know, I'm going to you know. use my hot piss to <laughs> melt these ice chips. <laughs> I also saw the tuck rule game. Was that the same game? No, that was against the Raiders. I also saw that in the same establishment. I'm sorry, Luke, that was a dark period of my life, okay? I can tell, Jesus. I, even I haven't done something quite like that, but I've done some terrible things. So yeah, yeah, that's that's what we do here on Fridays on Morning Combat. We admit our terrible things. Luke, do you have any uh, weekend plans beyond covering some great fights and uh, taking Saturday off? Got some fun plans in the city. They're going to shut down a three mile stretch of uh, a major thoroughfare here for no cars. So it'll just be people for miles and miles, quite literally. And there's going to be street fairs and stuff. I think I might check that out. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna spend some time um, lifting in the front yard now that the weather is nice again. Yeah, so I got, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be nice and chill. And That's by so, the way, it's so on showy. the 23rd, the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team, are playing the USA rugby team here in DC. I'm gonna go to that on the 23rd. I don't see color, Luke. Okay. <laughs> well, that's their name, the All Blacks. Yes, yes. Enjoy your rugby. Uh, hope you and your family have a great weekend. Uh, Pe- you said Pepe's moving out, right? Not till January, but yeah. Okay. Will Will he ever appear on this show in any form? No. All right. Well, he's got Dude, a fan base. They don't way. even. They, they, my family to this day, like even this morning, will be like, "What time is your show?" They just don't. It's not. You know, Damien just, the Donk with the with those those uh, satanic tattoos. He's got a podcast where all they do is like break down Pepe's potential. You know. 
like what he's putting down. I mean, it's wild, Luke. All right, shout out to Damo there in the 209. We're a big fan of that dude. Shout out to Damo O'Hara who wrote that incredible um, I Can Be Your Co-Host Baby song and recorded that. That was great shit. Love our people. Uh, shout out to our great staff here, CBS Sports Showtime Amalka. Gaff Pierre running the show today. We appreciate you. Uh, Luke, uh, there's not much else to say here, okay? May all of your ex-lovers hopefully stay satisfied. Not by you. You want to know why? Because you're old and washed. (laughs) And so are we. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. We out.